I know, it's an obsession now, isn't it? Yeah, I've like watched so many and now I'm obsessed with putting every movie I watch on a big list and it's like I look at my list I'm like this isn't right. I need to rewatch some of these movies now. <laughs> I have this friend who does a um just a running tally. I do it too, but he does a running tally of um everything he's watched over the course of the year and he's like such a movie fanatic. He's at 91 through oh. February 6th. <laughs> No, yeah. that's too much. That's... And I'm like, there's a part of me like too much, but part of me like, man, that's great. No, that <laughs> that's a terrific job, man. It, it, it rules. It's impressive. I'm just like, at a, you know what it is? I needed like just quit video games. If I quit, that's if you cool. quit everything else other than your family and friends, <laughs> and this is your only activity that you do, you too can have watched 90 movies by this point. That's, that's the plan. I, I'm at I'm at 60, which doesn't seem healthy. No, that's <laughs> good. That's actually no. That's I need to I need to watch more movies. I need to like uh, I need to get into the movie mindset. I feel like, I'm like I, but I mean, like I feel bad because like I haven't even watched any Righteous Gemstones yet. I'm too I'm too in the movie zone, oh. and I miss and you know I'm a Gemstones fanatic. Dude, the new Gemstones is really good. Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll try and catch up by next I almost, week. Uh, yeah, like I watched Eyes of Tammy Faye last night. It's not in my top ten, but like that movie had some good Gemstones energy. Generally like that one. I liked yeah. it a lot. It yeah. was fun. Uh, Andrew Garfield, maybe my least favorite character in that movie. Yet. God, well, just, yeah, Jim Baker, not a uh, uh, not a good boy. Not, not a good, good not a good boy. <laughs> not a good boy. Like, <laughs> and he's always just like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'll do better. It's just oh god. That's religion. Worm. Human Wonderful. Worm. Hello and welcome to the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest human worm in your favorite actor's <laughs> esteemed career. I couldn't get that term out of my head. <laughs> I'm Don Saunderson. And I'm sorry. I'm Jim Baker. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll fix it. Uh, no, nah, I'm Patrick Remy. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Welcome to the Academy. As you can't tell, we're in a good mood because we're finally getting to our top 10 movies of 2021. We worked hard at this, I have to say. Like, oh, for based sure. on our text chain, we're like, what are you trying to catch up? Well, I got to see this one and going to deeper cuts, trying to do it. Uh, but, you know, folks, just right up front, we are not paid for this. So we did not we did not see everything. We tried our we tried our very best. Yeah, we tried our damnedest. Yeah, if we, <laughs> dude, if we were paid, oh, we'd be everywhere. Uh, yeah, we'd be everywhere. Get out of the way, Richard Brody. The New Yorkers grabbing us. Yeah, I'm <laughs> flying to New York to see the one screening of Memoria. Yeah, I know. Oh my God, yeah, tell me about it. I know. <laughs> yeah, haunting, haunting. We did because I have a feeling that that one screams done top 10 if there ever was a movie oh definitely <laughs> for sure for so, sure uh yeah up front did not see memoria yeah, <laughs> i wish i i wish i had yeah i played played one it's played once in la as far as i know it played at the <sighs> afi film festival and it sold out like immediately but i mean we we live i was just thinking about that before we jumped on we live in, like such a privilege that should be acknowledged that we live in los angeles and just can get stuff Oh, like, yeah. I mean, I was just looking at like next Saturday or next, either Saturday or Sunday. I don't know. I'm so excited. Next Saturday, or Sunday, I'm going to see going to the Arrow to see Paul Thomas Anderson 
interview Joachim Trier and the lead actress Renana Renaza. I'm sorry, Renana. I, I have trouble pronouncing your name, but the lead actress from the worst person in the world. Man. And I saw PTA said, worst person in the world is the best movie in the world. <laughs> and Jesus I am Christ. so excited to see him like go crazy. And, but what a beautiful, like only in LA joy that is. So I'm so thankful and just, you know, oh, it, I'm aware yeah. that we're, how lucky we are that we do stuff like that. Oh, it's, uh, uh, and like, it's nice that it's like a, I, at my local AMC, I saw Red Rocket, and then Sean Baker was doing a Q&A, and it wasn't like the tickets were like super crazy expensive or something. Yeah, and what a gracious, awesome guy oh. Sean Baker is. I don't know him, but I want to be, I'd love to be friends with him. I think he seems like just the coolest dude. <laughs> He's a gen- he seemed like a genuine man. He seemed really yeah. like, open and nice. He's, you know how many times he's been at the New Beverly when we've been there, too? He's like a movie fanatic. He's a movie head, dude. If you see that boy on Letterbox, like yeah, yeah, he's he, he, yeah, he's a Letterbox champ. Yeah, like, he'd be watching movies. Yeah, he want that dude watches movies. <laughs> I, I did see an interview with him about Red Rocket though. He's like, here's the deal: I don't have kids, <laughs> so I can like I can rock and roll through all of this stuff. <laughs> it's like that is so. Fun. There are like people where like you think that at some point you can tell like they made the conscious decision. Okay, I can either have a family. Or watch, a, movies. or watch movies. And, yeah. and hey, you know what? You can rock it either way, brother. You know what? Good life. A life well lived either way. We watched the <laughs> Julia Child documentary last night. I looked at Jed. She's like, it's so sad. that just like, even after all that, you still died. I'm like, but it's a life well lived. Hey, if you're devoting yourself to cranking out thousand movies per year, life well lived. <laughs> it support, I support you more than the troops. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Stolen Valor. I haven't seen Memoria. <laughs> hey, hey. I'm going to throw you into this uh, fountain if you. <laughs> or they get the shit kicked out of me like that dude in Red Rocket. Oh, man. That guy was. What a peach. What a great performance from uh, uh, the first time actor. Movies. Movies. Fucking movies. That's that's like the theme of this episode. <laughs> but I we were talking about it beforehand. What a good year 2021 was. I mean, yeah. so many good movies. I got 30 that I really liked. Yeah, I would say I have at like, least. Yeah, I'd say like, yeah, 20 to 30 that I was like, yeah, I would either watch this again or I really enjoyed it. Like, man, it was hard winnowing yeah. down my top 10. It was I, brutal. The, the, um, the 10 spot could have gone to seven movies. Yes. I mean, like, you know, I, I'm actually pretty confident when I went through nine mm-hmm. to be, but that was like what made the 10 spot so hard because i was like trying to squeeze something in you know one through nine i love truly love and i mean i think my top four movies top three at the very least are movies that i'm like going to be passionate about the rest of my days and watch watch often i think i think my top five is like that too especially like my my top two are like these are these are bona fide new classics in my head these are like very like uh like i i really truly felt something experiencing these movies be it in like a cinema or on my dingy laptop screen and that is like the that is so important and it's just like and it was such a reminder i think last year was kind of like i mean obviously there's some really strong films that came out last year i think another round is one of those movies that i'm gonna have in the rest of my life if people know i'm a big mank head mm. um you know nomad land Meyer, I admire it greatly. I don't know how many times I can revisit Nomadland, but uh, totally I, 
I admire it. I think it's a really strong filmmaking. But boy, the joy on display in movies this year, even when people were behaving badly. I mean, we were just yeah. talking about Red Rocket. Red Rocket, he's behaving as badly as a person can behave, oh, but yeah. it's so alive and such a like joy to like hang out and like watch him dig yeah. his dig his hole, basically. Yeah. That know? is a classic digging a hole movie. He is like, yeah, such a premiere, you know. Not as bad as Jim Baker, but he is definitely, uh, which is not, he's pretty bad. Yeah, he's he's a bad guy. But that's, I think that's another thing worth getting into, though, is like movies don't have to be about good people. So you can pat yourself on the back and say, I'm a good person because I'm choosing the right people to like root for and that kind of thing. Movies should be about life. And I think that we saw so much of that this year. In, I'm sure in all of your 10 and all of mine and beyond, like it was really like, I don't know, there was some like really like almost like even the darkest movies felt so like life affirming to me. And it was just, it was such a good time. I had a good, yeah. Even like in the right, I feel like this was also the year of like a lot of movies zagged when you thought they would zig. Like there were a lot of like 100%. Yeah, genuine surprises. Like, there's a couple of flicks on my list where I'm like, whoa, this came out of nowhere. And this is like where you took your the, the plot, like, you know, they they skewed the traditional uh, what you would traditionally expect for something truly like, I don't know, just alive and wild. And I think maybe do you think it's because like, you know, last year we, there was little there was less movies. Or there was a lot of TV, though. And with TV, like. TV is like a comfort zone and like you like the plot points you can kind of call out ahead of time, but you kind of want to live in those plot points, you know, whereas like every movie on my list, I'm just looking at it like took such amazing, surprising turns and like knocked me on my ass. And like the really the the power, like Nicole Kidman would say the power of the movies. (laughs) 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 And if you AMC heads out there. (laughs) Aloy. Power of the movie. Oh man, yeah, that, what a great. It's, it's that one in McConaughey's ad about the movies are back, man. I, <laughs> both of them, joyous. Like it's all good. And I mean, how many? Like on my list, like I'm gonna see one shortly. I saw one streaming that I'm actually gonna see in the theater next weekend. But I mean, a lot of the ones on my list, I did get a chance to see in the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, about fifty-fifty, I'd say. Looks like on my list. It's it, just a good year. Yeah. It's really exciting. I, I love all of my top 10 movies. And hell, I'll give you, I love all of my top 30 movies <laughs> in one way or the other. I mean, there's, you know, there's elements. I have like Cry Macho at 25. <laughs> Cry Macho is not perfect, but I, I like Cry Macho. Yeah, I like Cry Macho. <laughs> Cry Macho. I'm the guy who bought the mule on Blu-ray like two days ago. <laughs> so... <laughs> You love watching the a God, God man. God, just, Clint. <laughs> yes, raise hell. Goddamn Mickey Mouse cops. <laughs> oh, Cry Macho is on HBO Max right now, folks. If you haven't had a chance to get around to it, it's back. Uh, uh, so we should, why don't we just get into this thing? Yeah. Um, so a couple rules to start off with. Um, a typical Academy Academy fashion. This, this, this is favorites. We're not declaring best. We're declaring favorites. We, because we are movie fans first and foremost. We are not judges by any no. means, which again, of course, goes against our entire thesis that we stay at, at the beginning of every episode. But you know, it's a, jo- it's all a joke. You all yeah. know that. You all, 
we're 70 episodes in. You know that already. <laughs> For sure. Um, and then uh, we're going to steal a rule from some of our favorite podcasts, like the FS movie and um, Pure Cinema and Colors of the Dark. If one of us has a movie higher on the list, we simply say higher and we will discuss it at that time on the list because who knows what kind of crossover we have here. I'm really curious. Stuff has been moving the last few days. Patrick and I are letterboxed friends, so we can view some of these things ahead of time. But (laughs) 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 why don't we get into it? Do you want to start with number 10? Oh, yeah. Uh, Number 10. uh, I had to put this movie on my list. This was like the the movie I was struggling with. It was either this or licorice pizza. But the way I see it is I have a feeling I have a feeling old licorice pizza pie will be later on this list. We may, we may discuss Luke. We may, we, we may discuss yeah. old pizza pie. And so uh, <laughs> my number 10 is Rory Scoville, Live Without Fear. <laughs> already yeah, a swerve. A, already putting a, a damn stand-up special <laughs> slash documentary that was only released on YouTube as number 10. Hell yeah. Is, I'm not going to lie. Like, uh, directed by Scott Moran. And I, it was filmed in 2019, but it was released in 2021. Uh, so I think it meets the criteria as a 2021 feature. I usually, I'm not a big stand-up special guy. I'm not like a big, uh, I'm not usually like a huge, but uh, this is my first time watching Rory Scovel, and I thought it was like truly um, some of the funniest material. And the and, and the thing about this is his, the, the gimmick is that he is going to this uh, venue, uh, the Relapse Theater in Georgia, and he's performing six days straight without any material prepared. And so he's just going on stage and freeballing it. It's genuinely <laughs> like, and so it's genuinely like ludicrous just how much talent it's, it's fascinating. Cause like, they also give you kind of like an insight into it's kind of nice. Cause like you, you can tell he truly cares about making people laugh and treats the craft seriously, but he's also not like a very self-serious obnoxious moron about it. Um, there's also like a level of commitment he has to bits that I envy. Like I wish I could like, there's like a scene where he's like uh, opening a car door in front of the uh, documentary crew. And he's pretending like um, it's like, he has a van uh, and it's one of those vans where like the door automatically opens and he pretends he has like, he's using like the force to open. He's putting his whole body into this bit. And because he's putting his whole body into this bit and a hundred percent committing it's it, it works and it's like i watch it and i'm envious i'm like i wish i wasn't like as i wish i wasn't as afraid to commit to <laughs> yeah. things fully like I, he just has this uh, uh confidence in himself that's utterly charming and um and, and then simultaneously there's also this uh thread in the documentary about the origins of the relapse theater uh which was founded by a guy named bob wood I had permission to come in once, and while I was in here, I found a ring of keys. So I took them. I took the keys. I figured that was the right thing to do. Then I staked the building out for for days to see who was coming in and coming out until I finally got up to gumption to see if they worked, and they worked. So that's what I did. I had no permission. It was gangster. I had no money. The house I was in was being foreclosed on. I had to get out. I needed a place to stay as well. This was the bedroom. So my bed sat right here and uh, lived here for four years. Nobody was in here except for homeless people. It was spooky and you could hear people walking around the building. So I tried to board it up where no one else could get in. 
But yeah, so all these rooms that you see lead out were to all these crazy homeless people rooms. This place was absolutely destroyed. There was about two inches of grease on the floor and we found mice inside the grease trapped inside it. First thing I did is I just started cleaning it. That, that thread's just wild. Like he, like how this guy ended up turning this like abandoned place that like, you know, people like unhoused people were staying and turned it into like a like a theater it was just it's a crazy it was a crazy ride so like yeah definitely give it a look it's on youtube rory scovel live without fear at one point he like makes members of the audience wear like the table sheets like capes and it's really funny <laughs> watching him just like add table sheets onto people's backs instead he's wearing it too and he, it's just wild it's great it sounds great he's 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 terrific very very funny guy might be my one of my in my top three favorite stand-ups ever now. It's oh. very funny. Super, Excellent. Yeah. Have to check that out. Uh, my number 10 is Wes Anderson's The French Dispatch. Uh, moving up the list by the day almost. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, like I said, this spot could have gone in a variety of directions, but his craft, his commitment to... I mean, talk about commitment to the bit. Yes. Wes, like... This is like him digging deeper than he's ever gone. I, I, there's two movies on my list that I would say are their directors are playing with house money. Like, Wes was coming off his last live action film was Grand Budapest Hotel, easily his most successful movie financially and um, award wise. And so it's clear Searchlight was like, Vault is yours. <laughs> do what you feel like and he dug into it in this one uh miraculous miraculous filmmaking his level of craft detail absolutely phenomenal um the opening story the one with benicio del toro and lancedo is really extraordinary i think that's the only drawback on the movie is i think that the first story is just so damn good that the next two that follow don't meet that place yeah that is definitely like the highest well the most interesting characters are like yeah benicio del toro as the struggling prison artist and like yeah it's a wild, it's a wild yeah and it's it but it's just his, his mixing and matching it's his by by wide margin i mean he's been heading in this direction for a long time his most european feeling feeling like it feels like an international film oh. to me like and a lot of it is of course in you know, French to begin with. Uh, it's but it's funny. Um, by the end, it's moving once again. Wes has got that great ability, and I mean, I feel it. I felt it on every one of his movies. I kind of like because he's lulled you into this almost like complacent vibe of just hanging out in his picture book world. That when like he brings in real feeling and emotion at the end of it, and kind of like sums up the mission statement of the movie. But it's like the end of Royal Tenenbaums, you know, kind of the greatest example of it, or even the end of Rushmore, how it kind of sums up kind of the melancholy of the entire universe. Like even, you know, Grand, even Grand Budapest Hotel, like when he goes, well, of course they shot him at the end of it. And you're just like, oh, like all the fantasy and all the fairy tale world that he's created um, kind of comes crashing into reality in this really emotional way and he gets of course like led by Bill Murray and he's like sad faced actors <laughs> a lot of times <laughs> you know and um, but I just thought this one was so I mean I hope he you know I know he's already got another one in the can that's supposed to drop this year and he's starting the next one after that so he's on fire yeah. right now 
Um, I love this international flavor. The other thing, they, uh, I mean, not to get too gross, but this movie is very, like, adult and sexy, too. <laughs> and, and you don't see, you know, again, to get back to why we love movies, it's like, man, this is like an R-rated movie. Good for them. Yeah, <laughs> for it taking is, it all away. <laughs> it is kind of like, yeah, it almost feels like this is like the, um, to me, the uh, Wes Anderson film that feels most like a Chris Ware graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Just like aesthetically, it's so well manicured, and it, uh, but it also deals with really serious, dark stuff on occasion. Yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's really mature. Yeah. Like, and I think that's great. And I hope, uh, you know, as he's entering, you know, he's into his 50s now, we're just going to see more of that. I mean, gosh, thank you, though. Wes. I mean, he, he, I've been a fan since Bottle Rocket. Somebody handed me the video in high school when it first dropped on video and I was like, what a wonderful movie. I've, you know, Rushmore, I was saw in the theater and I've just been with him ever since. And, um, I don't see, I don't feel that waning anytime soon. He's just too, he's just too good. Yeah. He's, he's too, good. too good. And he's also just, he has such a unique specific brand and it's awesome to see that like his brand has not been diluted in the slightest. He has not he like, doesn't gone, compromise. Yeah. There's no, uh, he hasn't gone like the Tim Burton route where like, yeah. 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 And I, I heard this interview with his cinematographer on the Roger Deakins podcast, where basically they're like, you know, you think because of like the way he dresses and kind of his like whole precious boy mm-hmm. aesthetic that he wouldn't be like this, but he's a real like non-bending hard ass <laughs> when it comes to like <laughs> his vision and people telling him what to do. He's like, no, we do it like this. And well, God bless him for it. That's great. Yeah, I'm not a bully about it either. He's just fucking ultra confident and try and tell him no you know? yeah <laughs> so yeah my number 10 french dispatch what do you got nine? Ooh man number nine is a movie i saw very recently and i really enjoyed it it was a treat it was a bummer i couldn't see this movie i would have loved to see this movie in like a, in a uh, theater but uh even just watching it on my computer screen late at night it was still a great experience it's uh amalia ulma i'm probably mispronouncing that Amalia Ullman's El Planeta, uh, which is a Spanish film. El Planeta? I've never even heard of this. Dude, Sorry. It's, yeah, it's like, you know what I did, man? I went on, like, Metacritic and, like, looked at everyone's <laughs> top ten lists and found a bunch of movies that I hadn't heard of. And I was like, okay, this seems interesting. I'll give oh, it a shot. Oh, wow. And, dude, it's it's cool because she's, like, a uh, and she's from Argentina, but she was raised in, like, Gijón, which is, like, the city in northern Spain in, like, Asturias. And she, I think, is usually, like, a... Um, like a visual artist or like a um like she does like art pieces at places like the momo and things like that this is her debut feature film and it's very short it's it's very like it's a short film and there's and it's pretty much like a vibes film like it's ostensibly about like on paper i guess you would say it's about like a mother-daughter scam artist duo oh, uh, wonderful tr- trying to make it in um you know post Post just uh, uh, post crisis Spain is what they say, but it's kind of like the town they're in in Gijón maybe has like two hundred and three or three hundred thousand people, and it feels hollowed out. Like it feels like a they're living in like it almost feels like they're kind of like living in ruins or like it's just it has like a, it's very post industrial. Like and the feature will constantly like the camera will constantly kind of like show. Um, 
like just like uh, people. It'll follow like all the elderly that live. You get the sense that like ninety percent of the town is over the age of sixty. Um, <laughs> it's very. It's, but then um, you have like uh, Ali, uh, Amalia, and I guess Ale, who I think is her is her mother in real life, which is wild. Uh, she got her mother to play her mother in this movie. <laughs> And they uh, do little like scams, they go on little adventures. Um, you know, the movie starts off with uh, <laughs> Amalia like uh, trying to, you know, trying to, to handle like a proposition. And the guy who's like propositioning her is played by, uh, I think he's like actually like a famous. It's, is it Nacho uh, Vigalondo? Yes. Yes, he he's a terrific filmmaker in his own right. Oh. And he rules in it. His, like, one scene, he plays, yeah, he, yeah, he directed the Anne Hathaway movie with the, with the Colossal, which I like a lot. Um, and uh, he plays a, uh, like a family man who, who wants to rent a cabin and get peed on. And <laughs> very, very, just, he wants to control what the person eats before he pees, but he's a nice guy. Uh, but uh, he, it's just, like, it just, the movie's just, like, aesthetically super unique. There's a lot of, like, weird, like, <laughs> white cuts or whatever like you remember that like tim and eric will forte uh sketch where he's like doing all the different like wipes like, yeah it's like yeah it's like there's a lot of those type of it and it works it's really funny and weird um now this sounds terrific it's a cool unique movie you should watch el planeta it's just a, the aesthetic is different uh it's uh i just had a really and i think it's just like a joyous it's a very like joyous film and it's very like i don't know like it's very kind of nice that this mother and daughter like they truly you can sense the sense that they truly love each other even though you know they have trouble keeping the power on and they're forced <laughs> to live in this like terrible shitty like apartment together and sleep in the same bed and i don't know it was a really fun i really enjoyed it it was a fun uh it was just a life affirming film that's what i would say it's nice terrific and it looks like um coming out on blu-ray from our friends of vinegar syndrome Ooh. uh later this month so uh Wow. Yeah, I will. Ch- I will be checking that one out. Yeah, enjoy. It's very like I would say uh, ha- it's not entirely, but it has like some Miranda July. And if you like Miranda July, I think you'll like this. Cool, cool. Well, my number nine, we're actually staying in the country of Spain. With, uh, legendary Pedro Almodovar's Parallel Mothers is my number nine movie of the year. Ooh, that was good. Um, excellent, excellent film. You know. He's really, I mean, he's a filmmaker that I got into relatively late in my international film watching career. It's only, um, that's three or four years. I started watching his movies real seriously. And he's just, every time out, is fascinating, interesting. But in particular, his last two, now that he's like, he just hit about 70, I believe, years old. And um, he's got this, you know, his early movies are really um, wild and kind of transgressive and but there's a lot going on i mean we went and saw um over thanksgiving when my brother and his wife were in town the four of us went out on a double date to go see tie me up tie me down at the new beverly and (laughs) just the gasps from the audience for this movie that's 30 years old which we've talked about it many times on the show before you know, you got a banger of a movie when people are like gasping and stunned and shocked by what's happening when it's over 30 years old, you know, in the theater. And, you know, his movies still have their reaction. But this last two, this one in um, Pain and Glory, the one he made with Antonio Banderas two years ago, where Antonio was um, kind of playing Almodovar for the most part. He was playing an aging 
director. Um, he's kind of bringing in, you know, he still has his like vibrant, colorful melodrama that he's kind of really, really known for. I mean, him and my last filmmaker, Wes Anderson, I think they have a lot of very similar qualities in like their style and aesthetic and kind of real attention to detail. But the world is kind of like coming into Almodovar's movies late in life in this way, like, because uh, Pain and Glory was all about kind of mortality. It's kind of like his death movie. Parallel Mothers, though, what I love about it is you've got this like wonderful classic Almodovar melodrama with Penelope Cruz getting pregnant late in life and meeting this young woman and then kind of, we won't get, I don't actually want to spoil too much about <laughs> the back and forths that happen here because it's pretty, it's wild. Some of the choices are pretty wild that go down in this movie. Oh, in yeah. a good in a good way but simultaneously what's really amazing is so penelope cruz is having this like fling with this very like genteel forensic anthropologist yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like very like european guy version so he's like a hunk on top of being a forensic anthropologist yeah your classic hunky anthropologist and man. so she wants to exhume this area that she thinks is the grave of her was a great grandfather who was killed uh, by Franco mm-hmm. at the start of the Spanish revolution that ended up in a dictatorship. And you're like, okay, that's interesting, but I'm really, really more interested in this kind of like very like tawdry <laughs> switched at birth mother-daughter yeah. lesbian lover relationship with that, her and this yeah. young woman <laughs> like that's where uh, the film gets wild <laughs> and like obviously it just is like a fan of like you know exciting things in movies you you're interested in that mm-hmm. but the magic trick of this movie and i'm not going to go too into detail is how he turns it around and brings this like seemingly innocuous historical storyline to the forefront in the final 10 minutes of this movie in a really powerful, like, kind of like, well, in the same way, almost like Wes Anderson does, like it, like opens it up, like, oh, this is universal. This is like a much bigger thing than this, these two people who are like having this strange moment with their children. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it, it, yeah, you get the sense that it really uh, that thread really means a lot to Pedro. Yeah, and he's thinking about Spain and the history of Spain and the history of his country all while simultaneously doing all of the tricks and moves that you know if you're a fan of his you want out of his movies so and in the lead performance you know she's just extraordinary as well uh, Penelope Cruz and everyone in the cast is really terrific on top of that but it's just it's a great movie another filmmaker like Wes Anderson too where I think you can say to yourself like ah. Oh, he does this. He's got his thing. But his thing is so good. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> it, it's worth, like, digging deeper with him. And, like, he, he's on a roll right now, too. So, um, I recommend this. Yeah, I, rec- I really recommend this one. And if you haven't seen the one with Antonio Banderas, Pain and Glory, recommend that, too. I'll have to watch T- Pain and Glory, then. Yeah. We got an eight. Ooh, man. I love this movie, baby. Number eight, Swan Song, by Todd, directed by Todd Stevens. <laughs> not the not the Mahershala Ali one. I haven't watched that one. Maybe it's great, too. I don't know. 
Uh, it's but, as uh, good as the Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> Two Godfathers. You blew uh, it, Pat. You blew it, Patrick. You watched the wrong swan song. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Marshall. Uh, I'm sorry, Glenn Close. I think you're in that movie. Uh, um, so, dude, swan song directed by Tom Stevens, uh, who um, isn't like, you know, he's been around, but it seems like he's he's done like um, another gay movie and I guess like uh, and uh, Gypsy 83. Like he doesn't have like a lot of credits to his name. Like, I wonder if uh, if he's done other stuff behind the scenes that I'm not sure of. Those are just the only films I know that he's directed off the top of my head. Um, and those films are fine. They're what they are. Um, but, like, this movie kind of feels like it's just something... It, you get the sense that he's really wanted to make this film. This is mm-hmm. like a... It's such a tender, personal... such a personal movie. Because it's about the town he grew up in. And... You know, kind of like the community that he thrived in in this town and the state of it and how things are changing and how, you know, time sort of, uh, will time heal all wounds or will the wounds continue to fester? Like, um, it's, it's just a, it's a gorgeous, like, I don't know, like, I could watch, um, Udo Kier plays the main lead and the, the, the plot of the film is essentially... Udo Kier was like a um, one of the most popular hairdressers in Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, by the way, this movie almost rehabilitates the name Sandusky, so that's kind of <laughs> nice. They almost, they uh, they almost still went ha- back. still haunted from that movie. Still haunted from Paterno, but they do their <laughs> damnedest. I, it, it must suck to live in that town. It's fucked up. But yeah. uh, but uh, but uh, he um, uh, gets a uh, message from a old acquaintance that his um one of his uh old clients has passed one of his um previous clients passed away not only is it like an old client but it's a client that uh it's the client that sort of tanked his career and uh their friendship dissolved uh over an incident uh, that i will not state but this movie uh, is about this guy Kind of like going back into town to do one more job because the lawyer like asks if he can, um, you know, just do her hair for the funeral. This client, and initially he's like, you know, bitter and like no, but at a certain point he just decides, fuck it, and he he just goes on an adventure. He just like walks down out of the. Uh, he's, he's in a home. He's in like in the. He's in a uh, a retirement home, and he just like walks out of this like retirement home in rural Ohio, rural Ohio towards Sandusky, Ohio. And you just kind of like follow him as he goes through this small town. It's just very, uh, it's very, the vibes are pleasant. Um, it's very life affirming. Udo Kier just going Sandusky, Sandusky. Like it's like a nice, <laughs> it's such a wild vibe. Um, and you know, he visits like old gay bars and you know, some of them have been turned into like craft brewery places and mm. you know they comment on like how things have changed over the years and he meets up with old friends and new friends and last past family and there's just so many like a great little moments in it um and it's just it's just a warm pleasant film i just a joy you you you, you wouldn't you'd ha- you'd have a smile on your face watching this film you got to see this one and you know you got to love udo kier in a lead Role. He's he's so good in this movie. He yeah. is like one of my favorite. It's such a, and he's so like um, 
warm. This is like the warmest Udo Kier has ever been. It's just like, man, incredible stuff. I've seen him do a, a Q&A before and he's very funny. He's like, just you, know, you just get this vibe. It's like, man, this guy has lived. What, what a life. You know? Oh man, and that like permeates like, yeah, yeah, you get that sense from this character too he's playing. Like, man, this dude's been through the ringer, but he's also like super entertaining and like he has a story to tell. Awesome, awesome. We'll check this one out. I know Jen has been wanting to see this one too. Oh. So uh, yeah. we'll add the, we'll definitely add this one to the list. Uh, my number eight spot is a film from the country of Georgia. Oh, not this, baby. not this, not the state, the country of Georgia. Uh, um, put, put away I, your peaches. I'm new to Georgian filmmaking, but I'm in now and I'm excited. Uh, this movie is called What Do We See When We Look at the Sky? Hey, Neosunda etko, from Marto Liza Kielga Iruzeb to Meoretre Sahetsuil. Aramid Isits, Vince Mas Asesho Parta. Oh word, that movie. I I didn't finish. It's good. I'm excited. <laughs> I want to I'm going to finish it now. Yeah, Alexandra Kobaridza is the name of the filmmaker. Yeah. Um and so, so this movie, I can give you the cuz this this is a vibes picture if there ever was one. <laughs> like uh basically this this young man and this young woman, they have a meet cute. They agree to go on a date. They go home. They go to bed, they wake up and they are different people entirely, like diff- played by different actors and who they were before. Like he was a big soccer player and she was going to be a doctor. Um, they no longer have those skills available to them. So the rest of the movies, them kind of relearning to be like human beings. But at the same time, we get this because this the city he shot it in. Um, it's like this it's one of the oldest towns in the country I'm gonna keep talking as I look this up um, no but, um, as I look up what it but it's so it's um, sorry folks but basically they're walking around they're getting new like kind of remedial jobs but the way he shoots this city is that it is like this like place that feels like it's magic like and you could just feel it 
as it's going and you're like, oh, they're going to find each other in their new bodies. They're going to find each other again. And it takes a long time. This being an international film, of course, it's like two and a half hours long. Um, <laughs> so it's the ancient Georgian city of Kutazi is where it is set. And it's, this is kind of what the joy of international movies is. Like, like I said, I didn't know, I don't know anything about the country of Georgia. But he transports you there. And you're there, and you're like, when the movie is over, like the first time, it's like, I want to go there. I want to see this place. I want to walk around. Like, you like see this entire new world, basically. And your eyes are opened up to the universe. And the, plus, the themes of this movie, you know, it is this kind of like magical, like, wow, life isn't an extraordinary kind of movie to begin with. And there was nothing I saw like it this year. And I texted my brother afterwards. I'm like, I think I saw like a masterpiece. <laughs> like I'm pretty, like I'm pretty, pretty sure this is a, this is a major league movie and it's on the movie, which um, I recommend our listeners subscribe to. Movie? They're not even, they, they're not a sponsor, although we would take them. Oh, um, for sure. They've got amazing stuff on there and real discoveries you know, um, and this would be like a prime example of kind of the kind of off the beaten path movies that can really knock you on your ass. And I, I can't recommend this one more. If you're interested in kind of adventurous movie going, um, look no further than this one. This is this this is really cool. And I can't wait to see what this he's this guy's pretty young, this filmmaker, and I can't wait to see what he's got up his what he's got up his sleeve next. Yeah, I, I'm gonna. I will continue that because I watched that. Uh, I watched the first hour of it on newbie, and then unfortunately, like the thread got lost. I had, I think I was like late for something, and I never continued. And I wish I had because there are so many cool. I remember that one scene where the lady is like walking back to her house, and then like everything in like like the parking lot or whatever she's in is like communicating like the wind talks to her like a light oh, a light like just it's cool- so playful i mean that part two where he tells the audience to shut their eyes yes like it's, it's, it's so cool yeah nothing's <laughs> ever been done like that yeah. it's, like, it's like i love being just like what you're doing it's, uh, i don't know i just it was yeah it's like truly it's truly playful and fun and uh it's just unique you just i yeah. love i love experiencing i feel like you know, I see so much of the same shit. Like then, when I um, when I'm surprised by a movie like that, it, it warms my heart. No, the um, the Robert McKee Save the Cat fans would probably hate this movie with every <laughs> sense of their soul. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, it's not a. It's not a yeah, not a. Not it a doesn't play plot. in any of. The, it doesn't play in that sandbox at all. And I guess that's probably a theme for. A great deal of the movies on my list it's not really playing in that sandbox but i mean that's like the cool thing about movies i mean you watch tv if you want to see like really strong like page turner yarn storytelling mm-hmm. with movies my expectation is to be challenged and to mm-hmm. kind of see things i haven't seen before and boy this movie hit the hit those notes i really like this one a lot so that was called what do we see when we look at the sky nice that's a great yeah looking beautiful title to too yeah it's yeah and just yeah. like the color to uh, yeah the great yeah that's a great i'm gonna finish that movie today i'm gonna i'm gonna put that back on i'm gonna get my old movie account opened up and do that uh what are we on now number seven seven, seven. Ooh, already Damn. it's getting hot it's getting hot oh man number seven this is a great 
great movie. Testament to how many great movies have been released this year. Number seven is Paul Schrader's The Card Counter. Uh, higher, higher, higher. We will talk about that soon, but yes. Long-time listeners of the show know we are card counter heads so we'll oh. be talking about that soon yeah for sure it is yeah it is yeah. uh it's it's a good boy it's a good movie yeah it is a good boy <laughs> bad boy but a good boy yeah b- bad boy stars a bad boy the movie itself is a good boy. directed by a bad boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah don't you don't want this guy at your poker night yeah um so my number seven's movie we can kind of get through fairly quickly as well because we talked about it I talked about it and my love of it actually in our discoveries episode, because I was relating to a different film, but it's Simon Leung's days. Um, he's back slow cinema at its, uh, it's just the highest level um, plays with boredom. It's, um, you know, go quickly through the storylines about a guy who's got a, he's got a neck ache about this other guy who, Cook some food. <laughs> they wander. They wander around, yeah. and then and they, <laughs> they don't seem particularly like happy people. The movie opens with the guy with the neck ache just sitting in a chair, looking out the window as it's raining for like four minutes. Uh, single shot. It's fucking awesome. Um, Sai is just oh, can't say enough good things. Uh, but it all leads up to the fact that we find out the guy who cooks something, um, the guy with the neck ache. The guy who cooks something is also kind of makes a lot of his money as a street hustler. Mm. And the guy who with the neck ache really, really needs human connection and a massage. Oh. And uh, all this leads up to the centerpiece moment, which is a, like real time, 30 minute full body massage. Oh my God. Through these two actors <laughs> in like two shots. And, uh, and then they, they have a shower they hold hands and they part. Oh man. It's, it's glorious. <laughs> it's absolutely glorious. It's so beautiful. And he's such a like talk about committed to the game and your bit. Like, and but like all these other ones, like, and I think this is what I really love about movies, is like for half hour on almost all of these movies, I'm like. Where's this gonna go? What's actually happening here? <laughs> but like the patience and like the faith in the filmmakers to really like bring it home mm. in the tail portion. And he does. This is a beautiful movie about loneliness and the need for connection at the end of the day. And he takes his time with it. It doesn't hit like these traditional like big beat emotional plot points. Barely anybody speaks, but you feel it all the same through visual filmmaking and through his timing and his rhythm that he sets out there. Like the length of the shots, the lack of movement within the shots makes every moment seem more heightened and bigger because you know that we're not going to get a lot of like, it's not like plot point after plot point, be, you know, story, you know, story, throw the, you know, just mashing through story. It's very, very simple. It's just, and like the interesting thing too is this, I think I mentioned in our discoveries, but the guy who plays the lead actor in it, he's been the lead actor in every movie Simon Long has made since the early nineties. Oh, wow. They will not. And they live together in this weird decrepit apartment building in, um, I think he's 
it's from Taiwan. Yeah. Um, and Sai is gay. The lead actor, Lee Kang Chen, is straight, but they live in this like platonic marriage. <laughs> um, and they, but it's it, the amazing thing, and I'll talk about it actually in a movie to come that has, does a similar thing with a director actor relationship. Um, watching this actor go from this like very like vibrant, he's actually always kind of like distant. <laughs> he's an interesting guy. He's like doesn't give you a lot, but mm-hmm. watching him go from being this like 23 year old, this guy who's like 50 now, mm-hmm. and like apparently the neck thing is real. Like he had like, like it, that was like, was the impetus was he has a bad neck. Oh, wow. And like, and he needs like treatment for his pain, but he's alone. But like the guy, like the more and more of his movies is just this guy walking around these like cityscapes alone. And like, oh. that's how their movies is progress. Yeah, it's very like sad. It's yeah. very like, it's, but, but like at the same time, like that's why, like when they're like holding hands after this massage on this at the time at the at the on the bed, you're like, golly, like of course they're gonna part, yeah. But at least for a moment, they had this thing. Oh like, man, that's so crazy. That's grim. That is dark. It's, but it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. yeah, yeah. It's like it's very mel- like boy again like fourth movie in a row kind of like this beautiful melancholy <laughs> like, like, you know gut punch kind of movie but yeah i i i, I am like almodovar i was a little late to the game with sun that's like i'm utterly on board i'm trying to go through their both their back catalogs to watch everything at this point because this is an extraordinary filmmaker one of the world's very very best and kind of one of the world's most kind of aggressively difficult filmmakers too to wrap your head around it feels like i'm where i'm in like um 401 in college <laughs> or something of like watching movies when i'm watching him it's like you gotta like you gotta have your movie hat on yeah, <laughs> like, you, yeah i did some warm-ups i did some zip zap zop to get ready for <laughs> you know <laughs> get ready for days i saw the theater too which is awesome Oh, that's good. Was it a, yeah. a packed theater? Or kind of Not like really. A- I was at the music hall in Beverly Hills. Oh. Uh, was the only place it was playing, and uh, but it was so worth it. It's it just so so cool. And but you know, it's like nobody's walking in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, ooh, I wonder what this is. It's like, <laughs> like the people who are the true heads <laughs> for for true heads only for if you're going to see this one in the theater. Uh, this is on movie right now as well. So if you um, oh, okay. have subscribed to see what do we see when we look at the sky, you can also take a look at days. God, I got to abuse that movie, my movie account more. I don't use it enough. Ah, it's yeah, terrific. So um, moving on to six. Ooh, man. Uh, this one, episode uh, number six. It's uh, this, this one's going to the dogs, folks. It's <laughs> the power of the dog. Oh, power of the dog. Pa- power of the dog. Oh, man. Is, Bron- Is that Bronco Henry at my door? <laughs> yeah, Bronco Henry. Hey, what's up, dog? <laughs> what's up, dog? <laughs> what's, up, what's up, dog? Uh, man, uh, Power of the Dog is so good. This is a, it's another, you know, it's a lot of, like, directors this year just returning, either returning to form or just, like, cranking out, like, another gem. Like, this has yeah. been a good year for, like, a lot of mainstays, and Jane Campion is, is no exception. Uh, Absolutely. This- you have these, uh, this irascible, I guess ranch hand is what you would say. He's like the leader of the ranch hands. And 
he's such a weird... Benedict Cumberbatch plays him in such an odd way. At first, yeah. I'm kind of like, what is this guy's dude? He's using his like weird American accent. He does not seem like a ranch hand. He doesn't seem like he... He doesn't really fit. And then you learn more about his character, and it's like, oh, he went to Yale. Oh, there's all these things. Uh, there's all these like little like aspects about him where it's like, you're uh, that you realize okay this isn't just like a guy who was like salt of the earth initially and the the kind of like the, there's a turn in the movie where basically um the ranch hand has a brother played by jesse plemons and who he harangues harangues all the time just rude to him, constantly con yeah constantly just calling him belittling him calling him fatso and dumbass <laughs> and all these sort of things and what's great i love i think Here's my hot take. I think Jesse Plemons gives the best performance in this movie. Oh. Because he is so good at being unflappable. And he, has to, he has to play the straight man. Everybody else gets the fireworks. Oh, everyone else gets the fireworks. And the fireworks are great. The fireworks are exploding. But he, like, there's a... the His ability to withstand even pers uh, acting as if he's getting a rise. Like, there's... like. He infuriates his brother because his brother just wants to needle him. And he wants him to feel maybe some of the pain he's going through. And Jesse Plemons never takes the bait. And it and it just it drives Benedict Cumberbatch crazy. And I love watching that interaction between those two. But basically, um, you know, uh, Jesse Plemons' character uh, goes to this restaurant that's kind of on the path of their... Uh, I guess like ranch like yeah, the ranch like, yeah yeah um and he falls in love with um uh a, like you know kind of like a propri the proprietor of this restaurant essentially uh who has like a weird awkward son he's a bit of a little bit of a weirdo like he likes to draw he's a little he's a little arty boy a little um you know a little sullen uh he's, he's a he's, little precious little precious i feel like yeah he's like the kind of a bit precocious too and uh, perhaps there's something else under the hood, um, but uh, <laughs> perhaps. But uh, you know, he ends up like you know marrying this lady, and the lady kind of on paper gets kind of you know the protection that she's always wanted. You know, she gets sent into this like life of luxury. But Benedict Cumberbatch <sighs> is just this mean, horrible man who is constantly. God, he's great. He's so good in it. Yeah. He's so angry, and but then there's like this uh. You, you, as the movie progresses, you realize, oh, like, maybe, you know, because he, he idolizes this guy, Bronco Henry. Throughout the movie, he's like, Bronco Henry would do this, Bronco Henry would do that. And you realize, um, and there's a shift, maybe like a, a halfway or two-thirds in the movie where you realize, oh, he was lovers with Bronco. Should I put a spoiler before that? I don't know. Um... I, think I mean, I fine. think people know that by now. We but have to yeah, know that. Knows. Like, yeah, yeah. We, we've joked spoilers, about it so much. Spoilers to follow. We'll talk about it. Let's let's just get into it. Yeah, we're we getting into it. it. You yeah. realize he's like, oh, he's like, he's he was lovers with Bronco Henry. Clearly. And Bronco Henry, like, very very clearly, like, groomed him. Oh, for from sure. A very young age. And he's and he you get and you realize, oh no, he's gonna do the same thing to Cody Smith McPhee. Yeah. Like he he takes a like because he's he is just obnoxious. He is mean to this kid as well just like to the point where the kid does not like going outside because he's afraid of like getting harassed by you know all the goons that um An incredible tracking shot of him walking through the tents 
and just getting like basically catcalled and harassed oh, as man. he's like strutting through yeah. the, uh, with his like white sneakers. Oh yeah. You also realize too that like all the is the further you go into the movie that like oh wow all the like other ranch hands are hugs. Like it is like in this it, like, it's uh, very much by design. Yeah. That it's like that. Yeah. For it, sure. And Jane Camping, smart enough filmmaker, doesn't like linger on it or comment on it. No. It's just like as a visual, as a viewer. And the same thing kind of happens in Titan in the second half, too, with the firefighters. You're like, all of a sudden, like, not only are they all hunks, they all seem like they want to fuck each other. Like at yeah. all times. <laughs> like It is like, yeah, it is like, this is like, uh, yeah, this is an environment that is uh, ripe for filial pleasure. And the only woman, basically, in the movie is Kirsten Dunst, who is utterly that, stranded and on an island. And just destroyed. Her yeah. character is just totally, by the end of it, she's lost. Uh, she's utterly broken. Yeah, she's a broken person. She's yeah. been ruined by Benedict. And so Cody Smith McPhee, like, in the final 15 minutes, like, by far the best, uh, one of my favorite endings of a movie. It's the only, I don't know if we should... Oh, should we save the ending or get into uh, it? It is the entire. Well, I have a movie to come that the entire movie is all based around the final moment of yeah. the movie as well. But right. this one is really in there too. Yeah, I agree well, with yeah. you completely. It's well, just, it's so good. It's so good. Just check it out, folks. If you haven't already seen it, I mean, yeah. it's gonna win Best Picture, I think. I think so too. <laughs> um, and it's like you know what? It's you know, it's been a long time coming, and I'm fine. I'd be fine. This is like a movie where like I am fine with this winning Best Picture. This is a high quality, top of line movie. Um, yeah. yeah, like, yeah, fully, like Parasite, in the same vein. This is just a good movie. Yeah, hundred percent. Like, yeah, if it, it wins it, Best Picture, cool. Yeah, it's like okay, the system works to a certain degree. Like, <laughs> to a certain degree, r- game recognizes game. Yeah, <laughs> to at a, a certain, certain degree. <laughs> yeah, at a certain point, people have to just realize, okay, yeah, Jane, Jane got the goods. Uh, yeah. What's your numero five, sir? Uh, no, six. Six, oh, six? friendo. Numero six, my bad, my Numero bad. six, a movie I know you do not like. Uh... A movie you don't like, and that's Leos Carax's Annette is my number six Ooh, movie of the year. So sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> no, you don't I... have to apologize. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't, I don't like that It's boy. It's it not for everyone. That's by any fair. means. <laughs> yeah, no, that's... I, I think I gave that movie a star. <laughs> yeah, you did not like it. I, I saw it in your letterbox, and every time I see like, oh, no, but, I, you know... It's fine no. because this movie is can be even to fans annoying. Like yeah. uh, it is, a tr- but I think it's just a truly like in the same vein as what do we see when we look at the sky? Mm-hmm. The second it starts with, and like if you know some of the like, it's a fascinating movie. It's a there's a lot to unpack with it. So Leos Carex is one is a bad boy of French cinema, who I'm a big fan of. His last movie before this, Holy Motors, it's like a masterpiece of, it's, of that era. Um, but with the way this movie, this is a um, musical starring Adam Driver and Marianne Cotillard, two of my absolute favorites as well. And and uh, Cosme McMoon himself, uh, Simon Helberg, is in the mix too. Uh, and we love him on the show. Um, but basically it's just about this... Um, monstrous another monstrous character henry mchenry the bad boy of stand-up comedy 
<laughs> tells it how it is, folks. He tells it like it is. And his beautiful, angelic opera singing wife, played by Marion Cotillard. Um, and it, this movie, on top of that, is a musical with all songs by the Sparks Brothers. Spar- the band Sparks. Um, you know, there was a documentary about them directed by Edgar Wright this year that was good. Uh, I am not a big fan of Sparks musically. A lot of people who saw the Sparks documentary were like, I've, they're like my new favorite band. Um, I liked them. I think they're neat guys. I appreciate what they do. Not musically for me. <laughs> at all. Uh, but in the context of a musical sung by Adam Driver who can't really sing, I found it very fascinating. Um, and Marion Cotillard who can sing. And it, but from the opening, so the movie opens with Leos Carax in the control booth smoking a cigarette looking like the ultimate Frenchman. Yeah. The, the girl behind him is his daughter in real life. Oh, I didn't know. And she comes up and he's like, are we ready? Are we ready? And they give each other a hug. His, her mother and his former partner died under very mysterious circumstances like 10 years ago. Oh my God. So if the question is, is this movie, is he confessing to murder <laughs> in this movie? <laughs> so did that just blow your mind? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. I don't think so, but yeah. fascinating little subplot. Then they go in the control booth. The Sparks Brothers start playing the opening song of the movie. And then Adam Driver comes out and Marion Cotillard comes out and Simon Helbert comes out. And they're strutting down Santa Monica Boulevard singing this song. And I'm like, this is cool. Like, I think this is like, it plays with kind of the artifice of filmmaking, the fourth wall. And then kind of, so it, but it also establishes that anything is possible within this film to happen. And, you know, it's a common theme in all these movies. It's just like, wow, I can't believe that happened in this movie. It's so <laughs> exciting and thrilling. And Driver's performance is like, like Cumberbatch is just this like angry beast bear of a man. And it's just, it's really thrilling and brave. And we have firmly established Driver as the most exciting actor of his generation i think at least like he's making all the right moves and he produced this movie he like put skin in the game on this movie he like believed in this movie yeah i mean i will give the movie this like it is like for me to not like the movie i think it is like there's something there if i vehemently like don't like i think there is like like they're trying they're trying something they're doing it's like a huge swing and for some people it's going to be a miss but for some people it clearly like hits it out of the park yeah and i respect like i want more movies like this to exist i would rather have a world of annettes than a world of uh fucking you know guardians of the galaxy over and over and over again exactly like it doesn't have to like none of these movies have to work that's why we're not saying best we're saying favorite because none of these movies have to like work for you but it's like the audacity of net to try this is so neat i like i was definitely i respect yeah i respect Annette. i'll give it that i will 100 percent say i respect Mm -hmm. it and there's like and there are like cool moments like i you know um i really like simon helberg in that movie he's Mm -hmm. like really in like his 
scene where him and Adam kind of have their final confrontation. It's great. And like, I get chills. And, you know, he's an actor. I mean, we, we have praised him throughout our run of this show constantly. Um, I do. I want to see more of him in RD movies. I want to see more of him in serious movies. Yeah. Like we know and love him from the big Bang theory or whatever, but and we know he's funny. We know he's a good comedic actor, but I think he's really, I think he's got a lot going for him. And I love how Carex plays with him and Driver's size in that yeah. scene. Because Driver's such such a big dude. Yeah. Like and Simon Helberg's probably like my size. I always guess. <laughs> like he's probably five nine, just you know, typical. Like I, I think I've seen him at Gelson's. Like, you know, you wouldn't recognize him. But right. and Driver's just like such as like he's hulking. Yeah, he, he and that's kind of what part of his magnetism as an actor. It's like he comes at you and like he's so big and so fierce. Like you're like you have to reckon with him as an actor. <laughs> like he's just so like we have got this poster on our wall that we just put up in the living room. Mm-hmm. We have a painting of him as the cop and the dead don't die. <laughs> it just has this like word bubble that says ghouls <laughs> on it. And we're just like this is our favorite piece of art that we own is this this painting of adam driver saying ghouls <laughs> he's he's a fast he's just such a fascinating actor and i i i just can't wait to see kind of like where he takes things next i mean and you felt it from the second you know he showed up on the show girls you're just like yeah. who the fuck is this guy <laughs> like and like and sadly for a show called girls like him and christopher abbott who played the other guy oh yeah are like two of the most fascinating exciting actors in the world right now it is kind of wild yeah james like, played himself yeah like they're so good and so adventurous as actors and like they emerge on the show girls you know you wish yeah. you wish you had been one of the four of the girls <laughs> yeah for sure like i'd love to see like more uh, social mammoth yeah i saw david mammoth's putting on a new book about free speech i bought so many mammoth books off amazon i got an email about like new from authors you like i'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a chapter on Bill Spector in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> color, color me interested. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think and that's great. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I, I, I want to rewatch. Definitely want to rewatch it at some point. I saw in the theater. Oh, one of my favorite. Before we move on to number five, one of my favorite theatrical experiences: the Lamely in Glendale. Mm. Uh, late show. Mm-hmm. I've become a front row boy at movie theaters, so Ooh. I take a seat in the front row, front center. FRB. Sitting there like this. I don't hear anyone come in, but I know people are coming in behind me. I'm like so blown away by the movie. I don't know anything that's going on around me in terms of the other people at the theater. Mm-hmm. I sit through the entire credits because the credit sequence is cool and they have this really neat ending with the with everyone from the cast and crew coming together with like candles park and Leos Carax is there holding his daughter's hand at the end of it and like just kind of a beautiful weird ending mm-hmm. lights come up in the theater i turn around the entire place is empty there's no overhead music the theater's about to close up and i'm oh, just wow. by myself and i'm like was that a fucking dream <laughs> <laughs> how cool <laughs> what, a, what a what a what a great vibe that was i was just like by my fist i'm like wow what a perfect way to walk out of that weird movie is if it never happened <laughs> like 
Oh man, yeah, that's a great yeah. When you watch a movie really late at night and you're the only one in the theater, and it's like, am I experiencing this or is this just oh, like a lucid so dream? rad, so rad? <laughs> I had this friend, my bro, my brother had a friend who was going to movies at the height of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, "Why are you doing that? That seems uh, very dangerous." Yeah, and he goes, "Here's the deal: no one's going." So I'm alone in every single one of these screenings. He's like, it's terrific. I get an entire movie theater to myself. He's like, I've seen like four people like the entire time. I was like, that's awesome. That is, that actually is kind of like counterintuitive, but it works. Yeah, it's like the thing where it's like, it's a bit of a gamble, but it seems like it would pay, it paid off at least initially. Like thinking about it in retrospect, I'm like, of course no one was there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. I didn't see, God, I didn't see a movie in theaters from... February 2020 until fucking like May of 2021. That's yeah. crazy to me. Over a year. It's, yeah. But, uh, obviously, we missed it because we've gone to so damn many since then. But, uh, oh, yeah. For sure. No, I've been like, yeah, a little. Yeah, catching up on old times. Uh, oh, God, number five. Sure. Yeah, number five. Oh, man. Get out your curly tails because my number five is damn pig. Oh, no. Pig. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> uh, did you like pig? Have you seen you? Ah, uh, so cinematic confession. Didn't like pig. Didn't see pig. Oh, you didn't see pig. Okay, it okay. was it was it is literally next on my mm. 2021 movies list. Is pig is sitting there, uh, right? And we almost put it on last night, but um, I get the feeling I'm gonna feel very blue afterwards. So I want to be in the right mindset for it. That's totally fair. Uh, Pig was like one of the first movies I saw out of, uh, uh, it was like the second movie I saw in theaters after everything happened. The first one was, uh, Cruella. That nice. movie was, was, yeah, it was, you know coming what? Up, like, coming up on your list. <laughs> yeah, number one. Uh, yeah, you know what? Uh, had Paul Walter Hauser doing a Cockney accent. I was happy. Uh, <laughs> then a bunch of like, just the most dumb fucking, uh. Like every like you know like I fought the law and the law like all those like the needle drops. drops the needle drops were insane in that movie. Jen had it on in the background and I didn't watch really watch it, but I was just like, oh my god, the soundtrack budget is like nuts on this oh, movie. Oh, it must have been like half the budget. Like yeah, I want to be your dog. Like and it's all yeah. the like most like these are the of course the ones they're picking. But um, Pig Man is uh, a re- it's a damn return to form for Nicolas Cage himself. The bad boy of cinema, Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Uh, he is, he's so good in Pig. It's like, he has, it feels like he hasn't, uh, you know, he's had a bit of a sans recently. There's been a bit mm-hmm. of a Cage revival. We're like, but here's the thing about the Cage revival. A lot of those movies are like very like self-aware and they kind of understand that Cage has become this like uh, cult goofy uh, cinema figure in the vein of a Bill Murray type, you know what I mean? Where like he, yeah. he has a persona and they take advantage of that persona. And there's nothing wrong with that. I love Mandy. I love uh, the colors of the, not the color, the color, color, color of, space. of space. Yeah, color yeah. of space. Great movies. I almost want to say the color of time. Uh, I think it's a different movie. Um, but uh, color out of space. Um, and those are great films. Uh, and then you even have that new one coming up with Pedro Pascal, where it's like Nicolas Cage playing himself. Where I, I think that's kind of like the snake eating its tail a little bit, but hopefully it's not. Um, yeah, I mean, I want to see him just in the mix in regular movies. Yeah, because he is so good. Seriously, like, man, 
he's like in Snowden for a little bit. And I remember being like, yeah, he's in Snowden. Just like I was like, I didn't like the movie Snowden that much, but just seeing, just seeing Nicolas Cage in like a normal movie was yeah. kind of like reassuring. It was like, okay, cool. This guy isn't just relegated to like, you know, uh, stuff that would play at Fantastic Fest. Um, but he, he is such an interesting guy. Cause he is, he apparently he's a gigantic cinephile. He watches everything. He see, and he's a big fan of movies. And I guess um, I heard Jim Cummings actually after Thunder Road, he said the only celebrity who sent him a note was Nicolas Cage wow. and said how much he loved Thunder Road. And he's, and he's been a supporter of Jim Cummings and Jim Cummings' independent work ever since. Oh, that's really nice to hear. Beta yeah. Test did make my top 10. Really liked that movie, though. So I uh, uh, yeah, I, 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 Beta Test is in my top 30. I Ooh, think I yeah. thought it was terrific. It was, yeah, just a fun, yeah. cool cool film jim cummings rules but uh directed by michael sarnowski pig uh on paper it seems like i think like god i think that the less you know the better the film is yeah because i i what went, I've heard. yeah because you know what i went in thinking it would be like just john wick or something but like i was a pig that's literally i didn't like i didn't have any expectations beyond that I, I you you watch the trailer and that's what the vibe is like you think it's gonna be like almost like an actiony thing or like this guy is gonna get one on the others for you know taking his pig but it it it's so much more than that. Um, Michael Sarnowski, uh kind of like creates this weird like parallel world in Portland like the world the world of high of chefs and cooking and and gives it like a just like a level of uh it's just it, it's a it's 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 he 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 just he, he crafts like a fully fledged society like it's just like the, with its own rules and intricate ways of interacting with people um but then like he sort of like abandons even that aspect of the film like halfway into it and it becomes something the film kind of becomes like cages like cage using his like um like people know he's like a master he was a master chef and him like kind of like being able to read other chefs and other people and take them you know kind of take them apart with his based on like he, he there's a scene where he just like he totally kind of eviscerates a guy who's doing a very generic you know fancy restaurant he's running a very like generic fancy like the type of place that would probably get like a michelin star but it's Mm -hmm. like but it's like you see them everywhere and the scene he shares with this uh person is maybe one of my favorite scenes of the year like he just totally is able to like uh get to the core of this guy and you know just ruin him in a way that like benedict cumberbatch's character the power of the dog could dream of ruining a person (laughs) it's so um i don't know it's just it's 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 gorgeous there's yeah there's nary like there's nary like a big fight like there's no but like but there's uh i don't know i just nicholas cage is so intense and and sad and the fact that this film zags when it uh you think it will zig uh and the fact that it turns like the other side character almost into a he, he there's a character in it that is kind of like his one intera- person he interacts with in the real world because Nicolas Cage he lives like in a fucking forest in a trailer with his treffle pick and the only person he interacts with is his treffle dealer who is just like a 
kind of like a yuppie asshole, like a not a yuppie. It's like a kind of like a crypto bro type guy. Like a just mm. a, like a, like a this is the type of dude who would like watch Wolf of Wall Street and be like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is like the hero and he's a cool dude and I should emulate him and be just like him. And um, th- they give that character like an interesting, fun arc. And uh, yeah, it's a great, uh, it was like one of my surprises of the year. Alex Wolf is that character from, uh, I think he's, he's in Hereditary, right? He is in Hereditary. Yeah, he's good. He's great. Good, he's good, young, great. good young actor. He's a great performer in this movie. And yeah, it's just, it's a, it's a treat. It's like, if you ever wanted to understand, like, if you ever wanted like um, to figure out what the hierarchy of of uh, of, por- of chef of cooking in Portland is like, if you ever wanted to figure out what the the, the wild world of uh, high stakes uh, fancy hout cuisine, how that world um, uh, manifests itself in Portland, this is the movie for you. Yeah, great movie. Give awesome. It a watch. Yeah. Uh, my number five, the card counter. From Ooh. Paul Schrader. Here we can go. Uh, as we know, it's about um, Oscar Isaac is a is a classic Paul Schrader man. Mm-hmm. Does he drink alone and write in a journal about existential issues? You better <laughs> fucking believe it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he is um, a expert gambler who travels through really shitty casinos, making just enough money to get by but not enough to get noticed. He's, he is a man, classic, another classic Schrader man. He is a man of codes and routines. Uh, what we find out is the reason for this is that he went to prison for being a torturer in an Abu Ghraib level prison during the Iraq war in perhaps um, just looking over my list of movies here, uh, easily the most harrowing sequences in movies yeah. that I, you know, even more so than any horror movie that I saw. That, uh, the, the way they film that's going to be etched in my brain forever. Schrader just in. So basically, he, along his way, he meets a young man played by Ty Sheridan who has his own desire um, that kind of kickstarts the kind of more thriller revenge portion of the movie. Tiffany Haddish is in the mix as uh, kind of a um, liaison to the gamblers uh, that Oscar Isaac develops actually a rather tender relationship with that, you know, Schrader's so good at this idea of like the hard end man who's like too far gone and then this like glorious woman who kind of could possibly provide him a way out. But in classic Schrader, he's probably too far gone into his world. Oscar Isaac's terrific in the movie. Uh, Willem Dafoe's in the mix. Oh, he's great. <laughs> he's he's great. And it's just from the opening shots, the score, the music, I love the music in it. It's very eerie and off kilter. It's from the guy from Black Rebel Motorcycle Club, Robert Levon Bean, does the, does the music in it. Uh, Schrader's complete and utter control of tone and vibes in the movie like he just knows what he's doing this guy is a he's got this thing down that he does after first reformed he's fully back in the game he's got another one called the master gardener which is coming out with joel with our dude joel edgerton Mm. uh that's his next picture sounds like a similar similar vibes as his last two uh he rules 
card counter rules, Oscar Isaac rules. <laughs> yeah, you know? it's a, it's a great like it's so uh, hopeless, but then there is a what a, a, almost like a freedom in the hopelessness. Like by the end, he by the where by the time he gets to the place he's in, he seems content. So Paul Schrader, in addition to being, you know, a master filmmaker and screen and clearly one of the great screenwriters ever wrote taxi driver among you know many others um he wrote a book oh um called transcendental style and film ozu brisson and dryer this is one of the greatest books ever written about high level art films and his desire for what he calls the transcendental style which is and kind of an early definition of slow cinema and Bresson, Ozu, Dreyer, and then Tarkovsky, who came kind of the scene after Schrader had done the initial version of this book, are kind of the four pillars of this universe. And the guy I mentioned before, Simon Long, is like a direct descendant of this world of slow cinema. Right. Uh, Schrader kind of defines it and this idea of kind of what you're looking for within this style. And he first reformed was his first real attempt at like i'm gonna do it you know it's everything too from so in slow cinema you start with an empty frame Mm -hmm. the characters hold on it empty characters enter do their business characters leave leave on it empty Mm. and that space the space, the playing with boredom, the playing with time, the playing with how things develop, the control over camera work, too, the minimalism of movement, the minimalism of style, um, all kind of creates this isolation and this build toward the transcendent. Because it's like this idea that, okay, you've developed this, so then God can emerge almost <laughs> in this weird way. So like at the end of Stalker, when the cup moves, mm. that's what that's kind of what it's all leading up to is it's like, oh my God, the universe is infinite. It's this big bang, ah! this big bang moment almost. And then the end of Card Counter, the final shot of Card Counter with the connection I'm going to do it for Patrick on the screen here. So oh, yeah. don't really spoil it, but it's yeah. kind of this transcendental transcendent moment of, Oh my God, the universe <laughs> in a way, you know, after you've watched this like grounded kind of piece that slowly, but surely builds on itself. And obviously Schrader is too ingrained in also American cinema. He does love beats and plot points. And like, there wouldn't have been like this whole torture element like he knows he's yeah. transgressing the rules he knows he's not he wants to be Brisson, but he's not he's too seedy he's too he's too much of a fallen man that's why he connects so well with scorsese in a way because they right. are aware of like they can't be as religious as those filmmakers are they can't be as like committed to their faith they they are too grounded in like New York trash and cocaine, right. you know. <laughs> but yeah, but I think you're right. That we're like, yeah, that final moment in the movie that is like akin to like seeing a like a flower sprout out of a sidewalk. Yeah, yeah, it's just like something where it's like this. It's a small thing, but it's also like a fucking tiny miracle. Yeah, and like even go back to first reformed, where they like float. 
oh, out of yeah. nowhere in it. And you're like, whoa, because you have created this level in this movie, this seriousness. Like, so when you take a twist like that, the audience is like, oh my God, actually anything is possible. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's it's because you've done nothing and then everything almost. And it, like the world collides with your movie. And it's it's difficult to do because you have to be committed to the bit. Right. Go back to Rory Scovel. Yeah, <laughs> you go have back to, to be, You have to be so committed to this style. Like, you can't rely on like, oh, here's a cool plot twist, or here's like, you know, some like a special effects scene or something like that. You have to say like, I have faith I'm going to land this fucking ending. Yeah, you have <laughs> you to know? build it. Yeah, and it's like, that's the thing though. It's so scary to like, to put your all into something and to not know yeah, that is why I might have to revisit Annette actually, just because like to put your, there is something to to be said about like putting your entire all into something, and just praying that it'll be resplendent or something. It's a beautiful vulnerability of your creativity that someone somewhere mm-hmm. will feel this. Yeah, because it's not it's not like the Avengers movies or whatever, which are designed for everyone to feel. Yeah. Like the entire idea is to get as many people as possible. Like Schrader knows he's not even going to get Scorsese numbers. No. With a card counter. But someone somewhere is going to feel it. And that's yeah. what, that's really all that matters. It's someone's, it's, and it's, yeah. And that shared experience is infinitely more fascinating and wonderful than any. Uh, just big budget release where like yeah like it's like when that, that that's art and not content right yeah, there these are not empty calories this is yeah. like a good meal uh, for sure and Schrader's just like I mean god to be on fire at 75 years old the way he is and he obviously if you're not following um his Facebook feed and the um the the way someone on the uh, some like saint on Twitter is like reposting everything that he's posted that Schrader posts on Facebook from his thirst trap stuff for Taylor Swift to his feelings on cancel culture to Uh. to just his, just his thoughts on newer movies. He is like the story of him getting kicked out of Paul Dano's card game, his zoom card game. (laughs) Because he was talking just, he's, he is living everything at the highest level right now uh, he, he seems to be the old man who can get away with it it just seems goofy he's america's Rather, grandpa he, he's a, he's if scorsese is your fun grandpa schrader is your grumpy grandpa <laughs> and boy like oh they're so wonderful it was so nice to see scorsese's name as an executive producer on card counter like they're still they're still support like they still recognize the beauty in each other's work and you know Card Counter is just another fucking notch on the belt of a great, great artist and filmmaker. And I think you agree with me on that because it has been our only crossover movie thus far in our top tens. <laughs> so, man, surprising. What do you got in number four? Ooh, man, number four. This is like... Getting maybe, into it here. Getting into it, it here. This is like the most obscure movie I think I have on the list. This is... I was like, there was a point in January where I was like, I haven't watched enough like international films. I'm just going to go on the, I'm going to look at like which like films have been like put up by each country for like, oh yeah. As they're like, well, yeah. And I was just going to like pick a bunch of random ones. And 
uh, I came across this movie called, and this is a, it's called Luzu, and it's directed by Alex Camilleri, and it's a Maltese film. Ooh. It's from Malta, and I was like, I've never seen a movie from Malta. I know nothing about Malta. Uh, I like the, you know, the, just the, you know, the log line is, uh, Jesmark, a struggling fisherman on the island of Malta, is forced to turn his back on generations of tradition and risk everything by entering the world of black market fishing to provide for his girlfriend. You have me at black market fishing. Oh, dude, for, yeah, it's, and so, like, I was like, that's a good log line. You've sold it to me. And it's, uh, you know, the movie, on one hand, is a little, um, cliche is maybe not the right word but it's like you know it kind of goes it does all the beats you would expect this type of film to do but the real fascinating thing to me is just like the locale like malta is just a singularly unique place and what was incredible about this movie is the this is a movie about the clashing of the modernity versus tradition oh and it clashes so strongly and so profoundly here. You really watch this movie and feel like a culture is dying. Wow. It is truly, because uh, the, there's all these, like you realize that, um, you know, it's very difficult to fish in Malta. They have all these, um, there's like a bunch of hoops um, you have to go through. You know, they're actively, um, taking like they're they're you can actively like take your um you can actively like i guess like give up your fishing license and then they'll help you like find a job but like um but the you know because i think part of it too is like they're trying to prevent overfishing and stuff like that but uh as a result you have all these like old school guys um and there's like less of less of them every year um who just are not able to like fish the way they were traditionally able to in these like really nice like they have these like old school i forget the name of the boat they have like a specific name for like their the boat that they use uh, i'm gonna look this up right now i gotta look up uh because i want to give it the, i want to give it oh, this movie's on movie too oh it's on movie hell yeah, yeah. i watched it on uh, amazon prime so dude yeah i believe it's just been added to movie so oh. uh Catch Another it. reason, like, boy, we're selling, we're selling your, we're selling your service movie. <laughs> the movie is crushing it. Oh yeah. So by the way, uh, it's it's the name of the ship is the name of the movie. It's a oh. Luzu, and it's just a traditional fishing boat, and it's like, and it's like a piece of art, like, in the main. Yeah, character, I've seen it on the poster. It looks beautiful. Yeah, and he's in he, the main character. He's had his sh- uh, ship for generations. Um, you know, it's been in the family, and his family, you know, his father was a fisherman. His father's father, and so. Uh, there's a certain point in the movie where he's not, you know, he has to, like, provide for his uh, wife and his new baby. Baby's, like, sick, and so he has to turn to black market fishing. But then there's a point where he realizes that even, like, that isn't, like, he's never going to be able to provide for his family living in this. Oh, man. And so there's a scene where, you know, he gives up. He's like, okay, I'm done being a fisherman. You know, I want to look for help me find a new job. You know, because like the thing too is while this is happening, he meets up with an old friend who has like a nice car. He, you know, used to be a fisherman, but now he's doing this other thing. You know, so like other people have, you know, got left this, and so the, there's a moment where they take his, he takes his boat to like a junkyard, and they like destroy this. Oh, piece of, and it's just so. Uh, 
heavy. Oh, it hurts just hearing about. It's so, it's like, for me, I'm like almost tearing up thinking yeah. about it. It's like, for me, like that, nothing hit harder for me than this year than that, oh. like, just to see, it's like, you're watching some, this is like a film about, like, just some, like a, a, a traditional way of life that is no longer sustainable. Man. And it's just, it's very sad. And so, like, even though, like, there are parts of the film that are perhaps a little rough around the edges, like, it's just, yeah, I don't know, just the, the well, feelings that churned up in me are so strong. You gotta, it's worth watching. This sounds terrific. It's on my list. Next L Planet, Planete. Um, yeah. Those are, those, those are, oh, man, thrilling stuff. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds like, terrific. And it's just like, yeah, I'm just so glad, like, man, just go on, yeah, just, like, occasionally go on Wikipedia, go through all the countries uh different uh the, the movies they, they put up for like you know the best uh for the oscar shortlist or whatever and you'll find you'll find a gem folks There's some really interesting stuff out there and again like much like going to georgia or malta like this is like international movies are such an opportunity for american audiences to really like broaden their horizons and get to know the world mm-hmm. a little bit more and boy i mean it just it is really thrilling to see other cultures and kind of learn to learn about them more and learn about traditions. I mean, you never would have known about this fishing tradition. No, not at if all. If you hadn't seen this film. Not at all. Would have known nothing. I would know nothing about Malta. My, yeah. my knowledge of Malta is zilch. And so, and, and now watching this movie, like I want to book a flight. Like yeah. <laughs> it seems like a truly cool place. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, my number four is, you know, arguably the most celebrated international movie of the year that is of course drive my car oh um, baby right from raisuke hamaguchi who uh certainly the breakthrough international filmmaker of the year uh because he also released a, an excellent second film this year with wheel of fortune and fantasy which came in around 19 for me um and i went back and watched a couple of his other films um Asuko, Asako, sorry about that, folks. Just a moment here, I can look this up. Uh, It's called Asako 1 and 2. And then he made a movie in 2015 called Happy Hour, which is five hours long. That's on the Criterion channel right now. That I actually really recommend. I I watched over a couple of weeks, kind (laughs) of taking it in in kind of an episodic fashion. Um, This guy's got the touch. He's here to stay. He's only like 42. Um, this is a major filmmaker who has emerged this year. And Drive My Car is his best film that I have seen out of the four I've watched of his movies. And um, real human touch. Really, under- really understands and is curious about people and kind of their everyday lives. This one is bold, though, too. It's three hours long. Boop, boop. I, what I think the glory about this one is kind of the way it builds mm-hmm. as it goes. Like the three hour runtime is kind of an experiment in kind of a slow rise of a story. Mm-hmm. Like we're watching things unfold very nicely and very slowly. Although there is like, what I like about it is it, it has like plot twists. It's, it also, you know, it's, it's adult. It's got, you know, real heavy themes to it too. It basically, it's about this, um, very established actor who's married to a screenwriter. Um, they lost a daughter very young, very tragically. Um, they clearly have, um, 
love for each other, but distance. Would you say that that's um, pretty clear yes. in that kind of opening 45 minute? Oh yeah, um, prologue to the film. Which, by the way, saw this movie too. It's in my like I think it's in my top 20, maybe my top 15. Uh, loved it also. Um, but I would say that like yeah, they are um, yeah. There's love, but then there's also a little bit. Uh, it, maybe not everything is entirely cohesive. Yeah, and this is not a spoiler. So about 45 minutes in the movie. We get the feeling that everything is kind of coming to the head. He's actually seen her cheating on him, yes. even at this point. And he is a the guy, uh, actor Suyoshi Goro, who plays the lead kick. A masterful study in silent performance. Man. And silent pain and silent sadness. Just taciturn. Yeah, and he's, he's, he's different from some of the other men we've met this year. You know, he's not... He's too, almost too remote, and that might be his problem. He's turned too inward. Um, but about 45 minutes in the movie, he's, he, he, he and his wife are finally going to have, like, probably the conversation that they need to have. Yes. He comes home late, and um, he finds that um, she is basically, I think, had an aneurysm and uh, brain hemorrhage and has died. And he never gets to have the conversation with his wife. Yeah, we, we haven't even gotten the fucking intro oh. title. Yeah. Then the title card, yes. And you're like, oh, you're in the hands of, like, confident, like, oh, we're like, oh this is a movie. We're going to sell some movie. <laughs> you know, it's like. Oh, uh, man. It was like, I'm not going to lie. I saw that in the Alamo, and it was, like, me and, like, one other guy. And it was just, like, I was, like, the fucking hooting and hollering. I was like, yeah. yeah. And then we cut to him. He goes to, um... He goes to Hiroshima. Interesting. It, and apparently they were going to go to Korea. Busan was where they were going to do it. Uh, but due to COVID, they had to switch it to Hiroshima. Uh, but basically, he gets his residency to do this version of Uncle Vanya, which is absolutely... Like, I can't believe it. I don't, maybe someone has done this before, but it's fascinating. This idea that theater is a universal language. That these like, classic stories don't need they, everyone understands them basically is the idea so he casts it with people from all over the world who are speaking the lines of different languages to each other and including a very very moving character who only signs um, oh, man. and one of the great scenes of the movie is when they go to dinner at her house Yeah. Um, truly astonishing human filmmaking um and he builds and builds and builds this. He's working with this young hotshot actor who we know is actually the guy who was with his wife. Yeah, and he's like, and he's also like, keep in mind, this actor has also kind of had a scandal recently. So he's like, yes. kind of on the down and outs. He's on the down yeah, and outs. Yeah, this young actor, and he's kind of looking to this other guy as kind of almost in a weird mentory kind of way, despite the fact they have all these weird connections. And then on top of all this, there was an incident in this town where with one of the previous residents so they're not allowed to drive themselves anywhere they have to have a professional driver so this young woman has to drive the actor's car and drive him around in it and he has this real tradition in the car he's got this red sob talk about a character oh, in his man. own right maybe the third lead of this damn movie <laughs> move, move, move over mater this is yeah. the most popular car in cinema now 
Yes, this is a <laughs> I, now iconic Red Sob that he <laughs> records his lines and he has his lines actually recorded by his late wife to run lines with him. And he drives around and practices his lines mm-hmm. and just builds and builds in this very slow, very methodical kind of way to this conclusion that is genuinely like an emotional, emotionally overwhelming conclusion to the movie where we learn more about his driver who develops this plutonic, amazing emotional connection with him as it goes. And you just have to kind of like let it sink in as you're watching it. Don't be like, um, don't be expecting, you know, to be rocked with like a Michael Bay style, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah. this is this, but it is like, as it like progresses, it becomes this like story of like, almost like going to days or whatever in any of these movies, you know, even my, my top two movies, I think fit this bill too of like, and post COVID, I think you feel it even more. So this, this genuine need for vulnerable human connection. Yeah. And how important it is, and regardless of what style it is, or how it emerges, or the surprising way you meet people, or friendships versus love affairs, or what have you, people just kind of need to be told they're going to be okay. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Or things are going to be okay for at least a moment. And that's kind of the overriding theme of this movie. It's like this guy and this gal who he ends up meeting, who drives his car, who just need to tell each other we're gonna be okay <laughs> yeah life is messy and fucked up but it'll be fine maybe but maybe, yeah. or fine or just like let go maybe and just kind of just try and be able to move let on. people be able to move on and heal and let people in and yeah it's it's a truly human movie from a filmmaker who's proving that over and over again that he's one of the great humanists in cinema um and apparently he's almost ready to go with his next one um which means, I mean, and I think, I think he, I think he, this guy might be nominated for best director at the I Academy so. Awards. I think he has a real legitimate shot at it. Um, and I, it's so thrilling to meet a filmmaker who I'm like totally certain I'm going to be spending the rest of my days excited for his movies. Oh, and yeah. you know, so if you haven't seen it already, don't be afraid of the runtime, folks. It's going to, you. this is a really rich and fulfilling movie. So that was my number, uh, my number four movie, Drive My Car. Uh, totally deserved, uh, great experience watching that movie. I really, shout out to, uh, like, Raika Kirishima, who plays the, uh, who plays the, kind of like the bad boy actor. I really like his performance. He has a, like, um, like a maybe like a 30 20 minute sequence in the movie like him and his conversation while they're like they're driving like they're having this conversation yes seemingly in like real time it feels like like they they just like have the they have this conversation during the duration of the car ride he's a he's a really difficult character difficult hard to like but at the same time because he plays him so human and so vulnerable like you still like in the same way with cumberbatch and um Oh yeah, or the dog. You still want to, you want to be around them. You you're interested in them despite them being ugly. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And like, oh, and the art that that character goes through. Oh man. Whoa, yeah. mama. Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's a yeah. 
what an yeah, just a great. Yeah, what a yeah, great, great, great role. Ryosuke Hamaguchi. What a great yeah. yeah. Top to bottom, everybody in the movie's great. Yep. 10, 10 out of ten. Yeah. Watch watch that film. Watch that yeah. flick, yo. Uh number three. Number three. Number three. Here we go. Slam it up. Oh, my number three is uh Sean Baker's Red Rock. <laughs> there you go. Oh man. Yeah, this movie is great. It's mm, one of the one of the Simon Rex plays the ultimate uh stinker, like just a horrible, like a horrible man. He's he's a heel. He's he, a oh, heel. Huge heel. Just a just an unlikable Mikey Saber. Mikey what a name. You know, uh, you know uh, and it was shot in Texas City during, a, you know, uh, during a, I guess, like, was it 2020 when they shot it? Shot it in, the, in deep COVID. Deep COVID, mid-COVID. He had, a, he had to, like, drive uh, because everything, like, all the... Um, because all the uh, planes and stuff were, like, shut down. Yeah. Like, he had to, like, drive all the way from... Uh, LA to uh, Houston, and he like memorized his lines on the ride. Yeah, and it is a, um, it's one of the performances of the year. Oh man, it's like yeah, it's in my top five best performances of the year by far. Like he's like, it's he, he should get nominated for best actor. Like he's really, yeah, he should. So, yeah. yeah, he goes all in, uh, and it's like it's clear that he like, uh, you know. At the very least, he knew or hung around people with this vibe. Like, he knows this type of... And the type of guy, like... He's the type of guy that's recognizable and, like... I feel like, you know, even though he, this is, like, specifically related to porn, like, this type of grifter kind of exists in L.A. and You've met this. Yeah. You've probably met... If you've lived your life and been out about a bit... Yeah. You have probably met somebody like this guy. Oh uh, yeah, like a dude who had like the the his his perfect plan is just around the corner, and all he yeah. needs is a little bit of help, and uh, that little bit of help will progressively become a lot more help, and maybe it'll ruin your life. Who knows? <laughs> I'm gonna use everyone in my social circle. Literally yeah. everyone. I'm going yeah, to you, use. <laughs> you are all tools for me yeah. to <laughs> to build my pyramid. Uh, and. Uh, you see this guy like kind of inch his way into his his ex lover's life, stays on her, he forces himself into her home, essentially stays on her couch. Uh, you know, uses her until you know, and um, shows up sweaty and totally beat up. Oh, just yeah, like clearly, clearly. And what's great is the how the the beginning and the ending rhyme. Yeah, like how like. Yeah, like, you know, spoiler alert, he, he, it's pretty, like, he leave, he leaves just as disheveled and fucked up, if not more so, than he was. And it's like, is this guy just, like, constantly, like, getting all his money fleeced, getting his clothes taken away from him? Yeah, like, the movie ends with him running through the streets of everything we've seen butt-ass naked oh, man. like yeah, desperate on. and butt-ass naked hanging dong yeah hanging <laughs> dong full on dong yeah great year for cinema dong uh, yeah a lot of dongs this year uh but uh i just like i it's um this guy like uh and he's a total creep he wants to yeah. take he wants to he sees like this local like like donut store clerk and wants to basically turn her into a porn star and ultimate like, like yeah ultimate grooming he's grooming her to be a porn like use her to be a porn star yeah it's just totally she, 17 mind you yeah as well. just a totally noxious odious 
void of a human being. And- what I love about her, though, mm-hmm. is she never, you never are certain how onto him she is. No. Like you get the impression she kind of gets everything that he's doing mm-hmm. and is kind of just like finds it thrilling herself in, yeah. in, a, in a perverse way. I think she, you get this. Well, I think it's like for her, it's like a bit of an adventure or something. Yeah. And is it like, is that a good adventure she's on? Probably it's, not. Uh, yeah. yeah. She's great to oh, that young actress. Susanna's son. Yeah. She, yeah, she's incredible. She's great. I really love the guy. I'm going to look up his name. Uh, the guy who plays like the neighbor, kind of like the nerdy. Lonnie? Neighbor. Yeah. Lonnie. Ethan Darbone. Dude, Ethan Darbone gives one of the performances of the year. And his whole story is so depressing. Like, he basically, like, he has this, like, kind of like this rail skinny, like, you know, kind of like a skinny redneck neighbor, a little bit of a nerd. And um, who, thinks, who thinks he's awesome. Yeah. This is like the guy who thinks he's like, yeah, he like looks up to, he looks up to Mikey Saver. And um, he basically, Mikey just basically totally... Uh, instrumentalizes Slotty, like uses him, like yeah, he is just a uh, a tool of transportation for him, essentially. Yes. Um, and he is able to <laughs> needs just, a ride. Yep, needs a ride. Uh, needs someone to hang out with. Needs someone. He needs. And you realize this is like another movie about human connection because he like also primarily uses Lonnie as like someone to like scream into. Like he needs an audience. Yeah. He's clearly lacking. Oh man, it's just a deeply sad film. What a good, but funny too. Oh, it's super funny. Yeah, dark, darkly funny. Yeah, it's darkly funny. It's like one of those movies when you think about it, it's sad. It's but it's darkly. Yeah. It's it's, uh, so, and it's like a great use of like um, local color and character. Um, they do. He does a great job of making Texas City seem interesting. Yeah. (laughs) Like as someone who lives like in uh, you know, like a stone's throw from Texas City, he does a great job of like. He just, he gets the vibe down very well. It's kind of yeah. surprising, actually. But um, Shot on a beautiful 16 millimeter. Um, yeah, I, Sean Baker rules. Yep. It He's really got his ru- entire vibe to his, to his own. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, one of my favorites. Uh, super fun, super uh, uh, sometimes disturbing, sometimes uh, d- uh, uh, just profoundly depressing. Uh, yeah, and yeah, give it a watch. Yeah, um, just missed my top 10. Um, but I have a feeling it's going to uh, gain for me mm-hmm. in estimation. the long Because it hasn't left my mind since I watched it about a week ago. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's just one of those movies where like, yeah, like there's, there's so many like visual elements of that film. Yeah, like Mikey running buck naked, that whole sequence where he is explaining his past as a porn star to like, multiple uh, anyone who will listen yeah yeah and but yeah i mean potential employees as well like it is like yeah it's wild part where he's lifting weights with lani and he's talking about how rad he is right now he's at his peak performance oh my god (laughs) you are you get next set bro it's just it's so committed it's so yeah yeah. it it is a star making turn yeah yeah, I mean, I don't think we've heard the last from Simon Rex. <laughs> Those uh, of us who remember him as an MTV VJ. Yeah, or Dirt Nasty. Yeah, an inter- interesting life for this guy. And yeah. I don't think, I think um, I think he could probably relates more to, Mike, to Mikey than he'd like to admit. 
Yeah, there's maybe I can see that. Uh, he's, yeah. I will say for what it's worth, he did seem very nice when he because he was at that. Um, that oh, he shot. was at your. Yeah, cool. He was at the Q&A and he was like, and he, and he, and I was kind of like, oh, you seem like a normal man. This is good. Mm-hmm. Like, because like it, it, it felt like there was a part of me that was like, oh, I'm worried if he's like casting from a real. And maybe there yeah. is a little bit of that, but you know. I think, but I think also he's one of these guys who's gone through it and kind of sees the other side and knows what kind of opportunity this is that he got this part. Yes. Yeah. Like this is, yeah, this is not him in a, uh, 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 meet the Spartans or something. Yeah. 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 Did a lot of those. <laughs> yeah. Yep. He paid his dues. Um, my number three, um, Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley is my number three movie of the year. Watched it twice now, once in black and white, once in color. Um, I think this movie is so good. I just, and it has the ending we were kind of talking about where it all like power of the dog. This is the one I was referring to where it all, and I'm, I'm not going to spoil because not a lot of people have seen it yet. Fortunately, they're getting shot on HBO max right now, but um, everything is about the final shot in this movie. Everything that is leading up to same with power of the dog. And I loved it. I love this movie. I love how I, I, I love Guillermo del Toro's movies. I just, um, they really stick with me. I think he's, this is probably the most frankly classical movie on my list, you know, kind of, but it's, I just, I love his technique. I love his shot selection. I love his attention to detail. I think all the performances starting with Bradley Cooper's excellent performance in the film are terrific. I'm a big film noir fan in general. I think this captures a lot of that. It is so grim and so dark. I watched it with Jen the other day. She was just like, I'm so uncomfortable watching this movie because I just know like he's an, he he's such a classic archetype character, Stanton Carlisle, this guy who thinks he's smarter than everyone around else, thinks he has the upper hand. But you know just by the way, because you know how fucking movies work. He does not. No, <laughs> yeah. No, like, no, no, no. And every choice he makes, he's like digging his grave deeper. Uh, and it's like such a classic film noir guy. Cooper plays him so well. And I mean, and down, I mean, Kate Blanchett, the second she arrives, you're like, uh oh. Yeah. <laughs> this is big trouble, my man. <laughs> I don't think you want to go down this road at all. <laughs> no, no. Don't you take know? the bait, sir. And like, kind of the beauty of like David Strathair never do a spook show. Well, he's gonna do it. You know, he's gonna do the spook show in an hour. <laughs> like, you know, like, oh you know? yeah. And it is just so, like Guillermo is so in control of his craft. He knows exactly what he's doing. Like. It's and this is the other one I was saying playing with house money. It's like he makes Shape of Water, he wins Best Picture, he get, and he goes to search. Like he's like, I'm gonna put out the grimmest wide release movie that you've ever <laughs> thought about. <laughs> like, and it's just like with all of it, like the second half of the movie, every single hall he walks down is shot on these wide-angle lenses that makes it look like the longest hall in the world. It's completely empty, and you're like, he's going down the nightmare alley to hell. Like, every... Like, just the way he plants the visuals, he's got... He completely understands what it means to be a visual filmmaker and visual storyteller. Um, 
just watching his shot selection too it's like every shot is like so artfully done so planned out so considered on how it builds on the movie has my favorite score of the year from nathan johnson i love the music in the movie just he transports you into this world yeah so completely I love, uh, you know, and I love uh, this. This film has so many great little side performances. Like, I feel like not a lot of movies nowadays have like a kind of like a, a a deep cast. It's got yeah, deep bench. Yeah, deep bench. And this movie, like, you know, Richard Jenkins is great in this as like a pretty foul character. Willem Dafoe is it's wonderful. Man, Willem Dafoe is having a fucking moment, man. I mean, he's always he's great. He's always having a moment, but like, like he had like between this and. Fucking uh, uh, card counter and uh, he just hosted Spider-Man. SNL. Yeah, he hosted SNL. Good for him. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Oh, he's still making weird movies with Abel Ferrara all the time. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the titular Tommaso. Yes. Everyone's favorite character. Spoiler alert: Maybe coming soon to our podcast, Tommaso. Oh. We might be watching it soon. <laughs> Ooh, maybe, maybe we'll see. Tommaso. Future episode: Tommaso could be coming. But yeah, I mean, you're right. Tony Collette, David Strathairn. Oh, straight. That's my favorite uh, one. Who's great? Lo- He's I so love- good in it. He's so good. I love David Street. He might be like it's like his performance. When he, is- when he showed up, Jake goes, "Isn't that guy? Isn't that the guy he says always good?" I'm like, "Yes, that is the guy I say is always good." <laughs> like- uh, he's like one of the unsung and a just world. He'd get just as much love as uh, William Defoe. Like he is like a uh, great character. It's is, but it's like uh, it has the great hierarchy of movies that you like, where you you know you got like peak pinnacle movie star. Mm. at the top of it but then building on like great character actors beautiful actresses who are also great like just down the line everyone oh, yeah. in it is so good um and i read too like cooper he's been doing these very vulnerable interviews about this movie because mm-hmm. he's also a producer on it so it means a lot to him so dicaprio was cast as stanton carlisle and he was in and he dropped wow. at the last minute and Cooper got it. And Cooper is so interesting because he's been nominated for all these Academy Awards. But he goes, I was going to quit acting. Except for <laughs> my own stuff, because I felt like I had reached this level where it's like I've got like I'm in the mix. I'm getting on, but I am the sixth choice. All of the big directors, the ones I really want to be a part of, are not taking me seriously. And if you think about his filmography outside of. David O. Russell and Clint Eastwood up until this year, you know, where was Spielberg? Where was Alfonso Cuaron? Where yeah. was um, Inaritu? Um, you know, down the line, these big directors are not actually casting him. They're going for DiCaprio. They're going for Joaquin. Mm-hmm. Or, and then he's like, he is the fifth choice. Yeah. He but is he like- is, he's so interesting to me. And he said that this movie, like when Guillermo brought him in, he's like, big director, and I'm also replacing DiCaprio. So I have to like think about like this for my own life and my own career and kind of like my own self-esteem, really. Like, how am I going to do this? Wow. And he brings it all into that character. I see, You see it on screen, the way he's performing it, that vulnerability and his own insecurities oh are there God. on screen. That is like, yeah, that is like fascinating that he is like, it's kind of like that situation where he's like right at the glass. He's like right. He's so close yeah, to he's being there. on top. Yeah, he he wants to be the number one guy, and, but he's like not. Yeah, it's, but he it's, is. But he is like 
God, I mean, God, if I got him in one of mine, I would fucking like punch a hole in the wall. Oh, like Adam yes. Driver, I'm so excited. <laughs> you know, but out of joy. Like <laughs> you, know? you brought up like interact in your and like I think Bradley Cooper would have been just as good, if not better, in the revenant. Yeah, he I think he would bring that great energy. He's so frenetic and like he can because re- you feel he is insecure and you feel he's like just like like there are actors like George Clooney or Brad Pitt who are like fucking cool. Yeah, you don't feel he's actually. You, oh, you no, Bradley Cooper's cool. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah he's but a, it's like, and that is not a diss. That's actually no. like a point of like why you want him in your movie is that's, like he that, he's what, uncomfortable. That's what makes you know his performance as John Peters in Licorice Pizza so For fucking electric. Yeah, yeah, electric. Yeah, because he has the he has the electricity of he is someone who so desperately needs to be respected. And he's trying and, so hard, and he knows he's like, man, I was the guy in Failure to Launch. I was the guy in Wedding Crashers. Like DiCaprio didn't have to be the guy in Wedding Crashers. No, Joaquin Phoenix didn't have to be the guy in Wedding Crashers. Yeah. You know? he, it's like his, there's like this level of like his career is like there's like a level of serendipity to his career that's so fat. Like had Hangover not been a success, he wouldn't be where he is. He'd probably be on a TV show. Yeah, like the fourth leader or whatever. He's like, and he knows that he is aware of all of this. It's so precipitous. Yeah, and he's like forcing the issue. To like fuck you know like star is born which i loved i'm actually a big fan of star is oh, born huge yes, um, is such him saying respect me in a way <laughs> like oh, yeah. grabbing you by the collars like i am i am not an idiot i am not an asshole i'm not the asshole from hangover <laughs> piss, i'm pissing for you yeah <laughs> yeah exactly i i i love i think he's terrific yeah, he's- and i and i love nightmare alley and i hope people go see it because yeah. i think it's you know i, I love the scorsese rep for it in that in that article in la times like saying this is a special movie go see this why aren't you seeing this movie like oh, this is like this is what we want out of big movies we've talked a lot about smaller international movies pretty much entirely throughout this run yeah here this is what you want out of blockbusters to me this is a blockbuster yeah i i'm 100 like i we need more more risks, more cool, like something that treats me seriously like an adult. Yeah. And this is an unpleasant movie. Yeah. Like, we need to make that very clear. This oh, is a man. very unpleasant movie. The geek. <laughs> the geek. Oh, yeah. my God. Like, that's. Geek and, you know, Guillermo cannot help himself when it gets violent. It gets violent. Yeah. <laughs> like, I see that. I, that's like another reason I like because I, I watched Nightmare and I really liked it too. And I think one thing I did like about. um. Uh, is like it is kind of like a history of violence where the violence in this film is so nasty and so like like it turns you off so much there's no way you see the the main violent acts that occur in this film and come out of it thinking oh that was cool like i mean beyond like the actual like physical like the rick baker elements of it yeah. like, all the all the all the practical effects are incredible but they're incredible in a way that just it just it is like it is unnerving also, I mean, you know, this is a bigger topic, bigger can of worms, but, you know, we, we're going to skip over it because we got to keep moving. But um, Guillermo del Toro, as a man who's not from the United States, who can identify and look at the themes of the United States, this is a movie about the rot of the American dream and how ugly it can turn 
so quickly because Cooper and Stan Carlisle are like the epitome of kind of the like he is a blonde haired blue eyed hunk yeah. of an American man who is using his like all of his intelligence and all of his wiles to get ahead and kind of like get away from his torturous upbringing yes but but because he does it in such a callous cruel way only i think someone from the outside can see it and say no this there isn't it there's a dark end game yeah to this this isn't all like jet skis and mcmansions at the end of the day <laughs> when it comes to this thing like he you know and the moral poetry of nightmare alley is what i would call it like the irony of the way it concludes is the only way it can conclude, but yeah. it's not, it's not going to put you to bed at night feeling, <laughs> feeling no. good. Yeah, <laughs> like, and it's like, uh, it, yeah, like it's it, unsettling. Yep. Like there's like, yeah, the potential to be a geek is in all of us. Yeah. 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 yeah mm. Don't, don't fuck around. Well, yeah. <laughs> don't fuck around or you'll find out, buddy. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't do spook shows. Lesson yeah. learned. Uh, number two. Oh, man. Number two is a movie that is uh, by a director that's already been on the list. Oh. And it's his other film. It's Wheel of Fortune and oh, Fantasy. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Hamaguchi, you're back, buddy. I, oh, man. I saw this movie and fuck, I loved it. Yeah. Hot it's damn. really good. Yeah, it's uh, this was this film was a treat uh and drive my car is great i love that movie too um i think like what wheel of fan and fortune and fantasy does is it takes my favorite parts of drive my car and then condenses it this is like if just a movie was all the parts of drive my car that were like you know those faded converse those those intense conversations between uh the lead and the 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 the, 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 uh, the bratty actor, like if, yeah, like it just like it just like it was like like three like and I think it's like a testament to uh, Hamaguchi's skill as a director that the all these three short films work exceedingly well and they don't need uh, like they the level of emotion they elicit from me like it didn't need the build-up like it doesn't like in not that like not that like you know if one of the one of these films had that like if they did like go the full route like you know maybe it would have hit harder but like each each of these stories just really really hit hit home for me and i think there's just like a level of like i think there's something to be said about uh looking for connections and we're all just trying to find love and the I third think, story in particular oh uh, that one yeah and, that one hits although the first one's a banger i love yeah. that word um the first one about like yeah it's like about like a lady who's having a conversation with an actress and they're friends and then she finds out that the actress is dating the person he she previously dated and so she goes to the that person the office of that person and you find out they had this huge you know, he's had this like previous life with this woman and she was not always the best. And it, it's just, it's so, uh, it's so sad. It's just so like, um, like, I don't know, like you just, you really, each of these short films um, and 
you know, has their grim moments and some end sadder than others, but I feel like it's still very, like, life-affirming. Like, yeah, like, There the are no third... villains in his work. No. No. Uh, and it's it's just, like, the last, yeah, the last, like, that last one, yeah, yeah like you said, that's such a good, where they're, like, chasing <laughs> each other on the escalators. It's so <laughs> Kind of joy in, like, connecting and just being, like, these, like, oh, that's funny that we aren't who we thought we were, but guess what? I like you just the same. Yeah, <laughs> and they still, like, they're still friends yeah and it's uh, so beautiful like it's just like i don't know it just makes me like like that one kind of like made me wish there was because that and that one that film takes place in a world where like a computer computer virus has rendered all like it puts all your information out so basically the internet's it's like a world without internet is what we live in that's the conceit and so it kind of made me like wish that like you know man if i was on my like phone less would more serendipitous things happen to me if i was just more present well all these things i mean the connection to all these movies with perhaps the exception of nightmare alley although nightmare alley is about a deaf man desperate for life love and connection too in a yeah. sense but uh all these are about kind of the joy of letting go and letting people in you know to get back to the theme of kind of covid yeah. and um being stuck and the desire just to connect again and yeah. kind of the joys of the joys of, and we'll get to it in a moment, the joys of running through the streets. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You know? Perhaps the joys of uh, uh, starting an illicit uh, waterbed. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, I mean, like, you know, talk about the experience in a moment. I like, you know, when they did open licorice pizza, they had a pinball parlor next door. I just kind of the joy of, going at 10 30 at night to play pinball with my brother around all these strangers that we hadn't seen in a long time and everyone just like enjoying a ga- a games of pinball yeah simple simple joys the kind of simple joys and hamaguchi is an absolute master almost seemingly at the gate of the simple joys and simple sadnesses of the human experience yeah <laughs> like uh, like to see if, like, we talked about it a little bit of Drive My Car, but you're right here. This, you know, you reminded me, this movie's wonderful, too. It could have been a tie. I could have just put them both together. Uh, you could have probably done the I, same. I, exactly, yeah, because Drive My Car, that was also a wonderful experience. I think it's just, like, yeah, and these movies pair so nicely together. Yeah. I think they're, like, uh, I would watch a, yeah, I'd watch a double feature of Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy and Drive My Car, or even, like, do a version of drive my car where every hour they 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 put in one of these short films and then you go back to like the main movie i don't Mm -hmm. know like yeah just have fun with it but uh yeah no i just really thought this was an wonderful wonderful yeah just a splendid film just a splendid yeah uh and man uh what's your number two we're we're on yeah we gotta gotta get here we gotta get down here (laughs) my number one and two um i've been flip-flopping for the last two weeks they are my two favorite movies of the year by a wide margin they are the two movies just i love them i love these two movies um but i'm gonna go number two is the worst person in the world um, from joachim trier um i've watched it twice i'm gonna see the third time shortly um it's just I, you know, bald, crying at the wow. end of it. Um, it is 
This is a filmmaker who I've been following since his first film, Reprise. I like all of his movies. This is kind of him fully blossoming into everything that's he's capable from. He has a star-making, tr- uh, effervescent, just everything you want from a leading character performance from Renata Rainseva, I believe is how you pronounce her name. She has one line in a movie he made 10 years ago called Oslo, August 31st. He saw her there, and 10 years later, he and his co-screenwriter were like, we're going to make a movie entirely around her. We know she's got the goods. Wow. And she won Best Actress at the Cannes Film Festival. She, in a just world, she will be nom- She should be nominated for Best Actress at the Academy Awards. Um, it's basically about this young woman in Oslo named Julie and four years of her life. And it takes in it's a prologue, 12 chapters, and an epilogue. And we just kind of watch her fumble through her life make mistakes have victories fall in love fall out of love has a mid mid movie set piece that people will be talking about i think if you like movies you'll be talking about this for years basically um she's talking with her boyfriend she's already had a meet cute with this other man she flips a switch and the boy her boyfriend is pouring coffee and it stops He's frozen. She leaves her apartment and does a run through Oslo and everyone, time has stopped completely and everyone is frozen in place and she's moving across town and she goes into the coffee shop and the other guy's there and he's moving. And then they go out on a date and it's all fantasy in her head and then she runs back and she flips a switch and the guy's pouring coffee again. And it's this remarkable transcendent, only in movies can you have this like, because you know what the feeling you've never lived it because it's fantasy but you know it like especially in your 20s you right. know this kind of feeling of like man just like and it's dumb because the guy she's with they they live together established but she's fantasizing and it's just right. and it's and the two other guys um in particular Anders Danielson Lee who plays the older boyfriend that she has but Herbert Nordrum is the other guy she kind of is with and it's just watching this young woman, this very real, very like flawed, but fascinating, smart, but make stupid decisions, <laughs> you know, fully formed person discover themselves and grow up on screen. And it takes all of these turns. It's funny. It's melancholy. It makes you cry. It gets very sad. Um, but it's so alive. It's so like it's bleeding hard, <laughs> alive, and that's why you're seeing like people like Judd Apatow is saying it's the best thing he's seen in years. Paul Thomas Anderson, I said, <laughs> said it's the best movie in the world. Uh, wow! And you can see because all the filmmakers that are reacting to it are filmmakers who do this, who are after the same thing which is life, like a true vision of life on screen. Flawed, you know, full life and kind of like love people too. Because this movie, I, I don't think there's villains in this movie at all either. Like some people have accused Danielson Lee's character of being a bad boyfriend. He's not. He's just flawed. Yeah. And, he, and the entire idea of that, their relationship is he's 10 years older. He's 15 years older than her. Oof. And he says, he says it at the start. He's like, we are in different 
attracts. We are attracted to each other, but this is probably not good, what we're getting into, because we are on different paths. We are at different stages of life, but they do it anyway, because they're impetuous and attracted to each other. But of course, they're not meant, like, their world is not going, is not leading in the right, in the same direction. Yeah. Does it feel like it's like they're playing with borrowed time for how, yep. like the relationship? Yeah, yeah, and that's a big part of this movie too is time, and it's just mm-hmm. I love it. I'm in love with this movie. Oh man, um, I really want to see it. I it, actually... it just came out um, this past Friday in New York and Los Angeles, and I oh. heard it did incredibly well. Um, because regardless of the fact that it is in um, Norwegian, this is a movie that doesn't matter. If you've been 24, you know what this you know what this movie is. And it doesn't matter if you're a guy or a gal, straight or gay or wherever you land up on the spectrum. You've been young, and you've been dumb, and you've been smart, you know, and all these kind of things. And it's such it's a triumph. This movie's a triumph, and I love it so much. And I'm it's going to be one I watch the rest of my days. I think, and it's an inspiration too. It's like when you watch it, you're like. I called my brother. I'm like, this is exactly the kind of thing you want to create. At least in my mind, like some people want to create star Wars. Yeah. This is like, this is like the, the apex of my ideal of what I want to see in a movie personally. It seems like it's like, it's like deeply personal, but then like so personal it somehow goes the other, like it becomes like weirdly universal. And it's Actually, like, yeah, it's the it, idea. It's like details, details, details. But those details, you may not have lived those details, but you have details. Yeah. In your life, you've walked into a room and seen somebody and been like, "Oh, they seem very interesting." <laughs> For sure, I'm... you have accidentally hurt people. Yeah. Even if you know, and it sucks. You don't want to do it, but yep. you have because you, all... you, you don't know any better. Yeah, <laughs> like, we've all done. We've all hurt people, and we've all been hurt. Yeah. And seeing that, like, uh, there's something um, reassuring, but all uh, about, I guess, like seeing that, you know, demonstrated, seeing that flipped on to you, like watching that someone else experience those similar foibles. 100%. 100%. It's just, it is a absolutely gorgeous movie. I can't, I can't recommend it more. I'm so excited to see it again. Like, it's just, you know, the best movies are the ones that you just want to like, live there. Yeah. And kind of just continue to experience it. Now that you know the beats, it's like, oh, this part's coming up. I love this part, you know? And and it's just, it's, you know, again, back to the whole Cove thing. It just reminds, and then both these two movies, actually, though, there's a strong level of feeling of nostalgia and looking back on times past and being a little bit younger, too. Because I think we can guess what my number one movie is, but we'll get there in a sec. What's your number one? Oh, man. So this number one, uh, this movie... I saw this movie on a whim. I was just at AMC and I was like, I'm going to pick a movie I haven't seen yet. Uh, I haven't heard anything about this movie. And I was like in this theater with maybe one other guy. And it was probably like the one week this movie was in theaters and then it like left theaters pretty quickly. It felt like, you know, there might be some, uh, and now that award season is, you know, on us or upon us or whatever, it might be like out now or something. But for the most part, it, it's kind of like it's been a it's, a it's a very it felt like a very minor film and uh going in uh but watching it i can't think of anything it's not the type of movie i would like to watch again over and over again like this isn't like a joyous film it's very somber it's very intense 
I think that's the reason why I have not seen it yet. Yeah, I know so, it. I know it. I, you because it's. A, I know it's been your favorite for a while. Yeah, it's so dark. It's so sad. It feels <laughs> like, oh man, it's like the that feeling you get when you have a wound in your mouth and you put your tongue on it and it hurts. Like it's <laughs> like that for like an hour and a half or two hours. Um, the movie is Mass, directed by uh, Fran Cran Fran Kranz Fran Kranz <laughs> Fran Kranz. Uh, uh, but uh. And it's such a basic feature on paper. It's basically, you know, uh, these two couples meet in a uh, church, kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, there's a little bit of set dressing beforehand. You get a little bit of like the people of the church setting up this meeting. Um, you get a little taste of what the meeting is about. Um, you, you immediately you figure out that essentially one family, uh, there was a horrible tragedy at a school and uh, one family, their child died in this tragedy. And the other family is the, they're the parents of the person who perpetrated this tragedy. And they um, meet kind of to sort of try, they're both trying to find, they're just both trying to find any sense of finality they're both just i think they're both like just trying to they're both living in the wreckage of what was wrought and they're both trying to uh both both families are both trying to i think just find a way to climb out of this mess and the movie primarily takes place in one room and it's just a conversation between these two parents and it's not like, you know, it's not flashy. There's not like a, that much of a score. There's not like, uh, you know, you know, there's not a bunch of interesting locales. There's no, you know, there's no Malta. There's no Norway. There's no cool locations, but uh, it's, you feel the performances like Martha Plimpton and Dowd, Reed, Bernie and Jason Isaacs. Each one kind of has an incredible they're each very fully formed people and they all digested what they witnessed in very different ways. And they do a good job of uh, painting like, you know, cause Anne Dowd is so like, her character is so empathetic and kind and it just, it, it destroyed her this experience. And her husband is like very much the, uh, Kind of like the straight man uh i'm a logic guy and it's interesting seeing how that dynamic was impacted by this and jason isaacs and martha clinton both like have righteous fury uh it's just it's so it was one of those experiences where you watch it and i feel like i was on the verge i'm not like i don't cry during movies yeah. but i was like on the verge of tears so many times like almost like i almost gave in to the like the the because it's just it's so what they're dealing with is so heavy and so sad and you sort of realize in the final quarter of the movie that we're never gonna heal it's never gonna we'll yeah. never be able to and it's just this sad but then it's beautiful because they learned that like we can it's like drive my car where it's like you know this horrible tragedy happened to us but we can we can move on and it becomes like super it's super sad but it's super hopeful so like okay. it's like it's like um i love being like that's what i look for in movies is just that like 
man, that sense of like, we're all fucked and everything's fucked and everything's bad, but you know what? Like, I love you and it's going to work out. We'll make it work out somehow. Like, even though like, cause like you can't change like the past, you can't change, you know, so many, um, and you know, and sometimes even the future's like, you know, kind of pretty much set in stone, but, uh, 99% desolation, 1% hope. Yeah, but that's, that's what that, you want from movies. But that that hope—it's the—it's the little flower in the sidewalk. It's yep. just like yeah, it's yeah. the it's the the card counter moment. It's yeah, it's so good. It's yeah. like I sometimes can't... you need a full body massage. <laughs> yeah, sometimes you need. Yeah, so like yeah, I would say uh, give it a. It's yeah, definitely not a fun. This isn't a joyous romp. Don't go in. Yeah, you gotta you gotta be in the right mindset for this movie, and it's like yeah, it's maybe like once every five years type of film. It's heavy, but like man, it's it's really good. It's worth uh, a it's worth a watch if you have the time. I gotta check it out. It's, yeah. it, it was it's right at it was literally right after Pig, on mm-hmm. my but both of them were like, ooh, yeah, seems like does- they could be rough. Um, obviously yeah. the you know my ideal is of course um. <laughs> <laughs> running around with bizarre business ventures yes. <laughs> set to a rad 70s needle drop soundtrack yeah boy <laughs> uh, of course my number one is licorice pizza Ooh. uh when was it not going to be uh, <laughs> i i'm seeing it again uh later this week i'm really excited to see it again uh my favorite movie experience in theater this year we went to westwood for the big 70 millimeter 70 millimeter party that they were throwing there for a few weeks got to see with my brother first movie i saw in the theater with him in a couple years um it's just pure joy um lesson learned don't trust adults yeah. try to avoid being adult at all costs because most adult men are bad <laughs> but uh it it just it just makes you feel alive and i was thinking about the final song in the movie the taj mahal song um, which is, I believe, tomorrow will be another day, I think is what it's called. Um, I'll look it up, but it's basically this idea, and it, 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 how, the, how the movie feels to me, actually, is this vibe of um, every, you know, this tomorrow may not be your day, is what it's called. And that's how the movie ends to me, is... Alana is trying so hard to find her place in the world. And every time she tries something, she is met by disappointment. It's not even a bad thing. It's just disappointment. And all the adults she meets are disappointing, whether it's the horrifically racist restaurant owner or Bradley Cooper's lunatic john peters or even something much more somber and sad like benny safty's closeted city council candidate which is the most important adult character she meets because it's him and his boyfriend and kind of just their quiet disappointment rather than the big bold drunken disappointment of sean penn and tom waits or bradley cooper's just unhinged disappointment and it's essentially a lot of being like okay tomorrow i can be an adult but in the last moments of this movie i think i might just walk into the night holding hands with this friend of mine <laughs> you know like and i don't think that they're ever gonna have sex i don't think they're ever even gonna date right i think the next morning she's gonna wake up and like be like fuck you gary get old you know like i you know you're a weird little brother 
But in that moment, I just want to, she just wants a hug from this one person who actually respects her and likes her, you know? And I've got to go on an adventure with these kids one more time. Yeah. Before I have to be drug kicking and streaming. I just want to run through the streets of Sherman Oaks. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> I want to be free <laughs> one more time in my life. And of course, it's like, of course, you could say it is dark at dark terminal adolescence, and that's bad. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to make a moral judgment on any of it. I just want to, like, because it is, like, you do, when you watch this movie, I, I grew up before the internet. So I do remember, like, riding bikes and getting into adventures and running through the streets. And, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson brought this amazing point of view. He's like, you remember when you were a kid, how many times you did shit in cars that as a 40-year-old, you would say, oh my God, what were you thinking? <laughs> like, you know, he's right. He's right. Like, he did all sorts of dumb, like going back to world, first person in the world, dumb stuff. Even if you're a smart person because you were just testing the waters of the universe and what it, you know, and having a goofy free time with your friends. And the older you get, the more time is limited, especially the more responsibilities you take on. And sometimes, boy, the freedom, I, you know, you watching that film of just like, I remember all of the stupid possible business schemes like my friends and I would come up with in middle school and stuff like that. <laughs> like we had pay-per-view and I would tape movies off of pay-per-view, like new releases. And we're like, you know what we could do? We could dub these and sell these to people at school. <laughs> like it was just like the dumbest stuff. But it was, and Gary takes this to this like heightened insane level with his business schemes in this movie. But how could you not get, want to get caught up with that one more time of like, and I've been talking to friends recently. I have a friend who just left the job we worked at at the law firm to become an exterminator. He oh, worked wow. at the law firm for 20 years. And obviously it seems like, and he's in his forties. And obviously it seems on paper like, oh, that seems a little crazy. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, you know, you just raise a fist and you're like, good for you, man. Like, let's see what, you know, you live once. Give it a go. Sell yeah. some water beds, man. <laughs> you know, like, Hang out with Leo DiCaprio's father. Yeah. And it, and the entire like vibe of this family affair of this movie, how it's like, if you look at the credits, like how many Andersons there are in the credits and that kind of thing, and how many Hames and how many even like John C. Riley's kids and stuff like that. Like it's just Paul Thomas Anderson in complete comfort. With yeah. the people he wants to be around, and I know, I know, um, spoiler, you know, interesting spoiler. Uh, former guest Karina Wolf, her boyfriend Josh is in it, and he's Whoa. in it because he served coffee to one of the producers, and the producer's like, "You're a cool guy," <laughs> you know. And does <laughs> he? And just like, and he lives in the valley. They live in the valley, and they're all like, it's just this wonderful like community. It's, and that's all he seems to want. Paul Thomas Anderson has four kids. He grew up with like this, like his dad had two, like his two families before he got divorced. He had like eight brothers and sisters. Wow. He just wants like, and he like, I, I, I think he's like half raising Cooper Hoffman. <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> 
like he seems to just want this wonderful world of like hey we're a family we get together and we make these joyful weird movies he's transcended his influences too like he used to be like oh it's kind of old and he kind of scorsese this movie is just his yeah there's no he's he's a singular entity now he is yeah now people will say this is paul thomas anderson-esque yeah yeah which is awesome and been I've been a fan of coming. you know I've been a fan of his like my one of my all time movie experiences was I stayed up late and watched Boogie Nights on HBO on a school night and I'll be honest I heard it you know I was seventeen I heard because there was nudity in it <laughs> 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 you know talk about a skeezy kid like Gary Valentine yeah. <laughs> um, no and worries. I was blown away and I came to school the next day and I'm like I've seen the future and this is this filmmaker. And when I saw Magnolia, I saw day one in Seattle in the theater by myself. And I ran out of the theater when it was over with my hands over my ears because I knew people in the theater did not like it. And I knew it was the greatest movie I'd ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) And I did not want to hear anyone criticizing it. And I was like, I can't deal with you because I just fell in love. (laughs) And, And I hope people still feel that. I hope people saw, I hope the idea is like, if you're like 17 and you see worst person in the world or licorice pizza or mass or red rocket, even be careful if you're 17 and seeing red rocket Um, (laughs) that you see and you're like inspired and you're like, man, the world is incredible and I want to capture it. Yeah. And that's, that was kind of this year in movies. It was awesome. Great year in movies. You know, this, we've gone a little long, um, you know, we'll post some letterbox and stuff like that. You can see on our letterbox, um, I'm going to have some runners up, you know, five. I can mention real quickly, Bergman Island, come on, come on, the power of the dog, Undina and Paris 13th district would be my next five Ooh, um, on uh, my list. Yeah. I can come up with my next five pretty quickly. Um, you know what? Actually, I won't do my next five. I'll just say some cool movies that I think are worth uh, giving a look to. Um, uh, the Novice, directed by Lauren Hathaway. Really like that movie. Uh, just a cool start. It's kind of like Whiplash for Rowing. Uh, Isabel Furman's great in it. Uh, really like Dune a lot. Uh, Dune's a fun movie. Yeah. Um, you know, Probably the, uh, the blockbuster of the year. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I was kind of like, you know what? This kind of like fills a whole uh, a Lord of the Rings shape hole in my heart. This is like the kind of like dumb. If you're going to do like a dumb franchise blockbuster thing, have it be a weird existential uh Half nightmare, <laughs> set in space in the space mm-hmm. desert. <laughs> the actual be- uh, beautiful images. Yes, uh, and then shout out to Beta Test, Jim Cummings. Oh, man, so much fun! Great yeah. movie. Come on and the uh, show, Jim. We'd love to have you. I think you'd think you'd be a wonderful guy. Oh, for <laughs> sure. And then uh, I really liked uh, Last Duel. Specifically, I really liked Ben Affleck's performance in the Last Duel. It's like, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of like a bummer that like the tender bars took his like supporting s actor heat. <laughs> Uh, especially because like I watched like half the tender bar and was like, eh, this movie's fine, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, he's still wonderful though. He's a great actor. Oh, he is, and he yeah. dude, and he crushes it in Last Duel. He is so good, and it. it's his best performance in my opinion. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll do. And then the eyes yeah. of Tammy Faye, I really like too. Well, that was uh, that was our top tens epic episode as we kind of expected. Uh, back to Snipes next week. White men can't jump, undisputed. But hope you all enjoyed this episode. For Patrick, I'm Don. This has been the Academy Academy.
yeah, have a good time and watch some good movies, folks. Yeah, there's a lot out there. So, may we start? One, two, three, four. So may we start. So may we start. It's time to start. High time to start. They hope that it goes the way it's supposed to go. There's fear in their heart, but they can let it show. They're underprepared, but that may be enough. The budget is large, but still, it's not enough. So may we start. May we start. May we. May we not start. So may we start.